Ooh. Wow, we're out of the gates, baby. Yeah. yeah, I was not. This is like a mystery episode for me because yeah. I don't know what's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. So I love it. So I will say, I didn't even just, watch it. Yeah, as a disclaimer <laughs> for those listeners, um, you're going to be waiting a while to get to the episode recap. Welcome back to TMNT Shellcast, the world's greatest TMNT podcast. Do you guys remember when everybody would make the claim to world's greatest? World's <laughs> greatest bakery, world's greatest library, world's greatest whatever. Um, but to start things off, Chris, I actually have a question for you. Yes, fire away. Chris, do you like apples? Yes, I do. Well... This is episode number 21 of TMNT Shellcast, and 21 is also my favorite number. So how do you like them apples, Chris? <laughs> I knew it was a how do you like them apples joke, but I didn't know where you were going with it. So I wish you had a better episode to host. I wasn't a fan of this one. Well, save those thoughts. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, I am Andrew. I'm your host this week. I am joined, as always, by my brothers John and Chris John. Since I just shared what my favorite number was, mm. what is your favorite number? Uh, my favorite number is 17. One seven. Wow. Since when? I've never known I think that to be your favorite number. Well, what do you, I mean, do you know what my favorite number is? Yeah, I feel like it wasn't 17 growing up. It was, it's either 17 or three, maybe. <laughs> These. <laughs> These are all news to me. I don't know if Andrew Alan because Alan Iverson was number three and he was my boy. So seventeen's yeah. nice. I like the it's um, good on a jersey. Yeah, that's why I like twenty one because it just the way it looks to me is a uh, is nice. Yeah. Chris, what is your favorite number? My favorite number is forty four. It used to be thirteen, but I thought it was fifty seven at one point. It was. I do like the oh, middle yeah. linebacker numbers. 57 was a good number, but not applicable to a lot of sports besides football. So I, I think I have a bone to pick with football because they've changed the rules on who can be what number. And it's very confusing now. I'm very confused when I watch football. It's like college and football. Is it MLB that added zeros? Like you can be zero now in baseball? Uh, or football? That's. Been for football just recently added it. Baseball, I don't know if it's always been a thing, but recently people have started wearing the number zero. Yeah, one of the major sports just added it this year. But regardless, I'm actually surprised, Chris, you didn't say that your favorite number was two because you've had the misfortune of spinning pizza wheel twice in the last two episodes. This one was particularly troublesome on the pizza. I'm not yeah, I'm not looking forward to eating this at all. So last week you had cornflakes, and what do you have this week, Chris? This week I have tofu and bean sprouts. So we'll hold this up. I don't know if you guys can see that. It looks like very ominous, like dark, shady. It's going to rain. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why it's tinted. It's like tinted green. It's not <laughs> actually that color. But here's the deal. I... Wanted to get the freshest tofu and the freshest bean sprouts for this pizza. But it just didn't happen. So what we have here is unflavored 
pressed firm tofu and canned lechoy mung bean sprouts, which when I opened the can, an odor arose that I I breathed <laughs> it in and I physically gagged over the smell. It smelled, my whole room smells disgusting right now. Were they so like cold or was it just legitimately canned in like water? Yeah, so they were canned in water, which if anyone's eaten bean sprouts, the one redeeming quality they have is they give you a little crunch, crunch when they're fresh to add some texture. So picture removing that crunch, and they're just like these little noodly, slimy, disgusting. I rinsed them off. The smell wouldn't go away. So I hoped by cooking them, cooking the shit out of them, that the flavor would improve. But I think I've just concentrated it into a smaller <laughs> bean sprout. So bean sprouts are literally pointless. I hate bean sprouts. I hate everything about them. They're good in soups sometimes. No, they're not. I like them. I like them on a like a sub sandwich. A little crunch. Yeah, a little, a little zing, a little zing. I, I realized I always confuse bean sprouts and pea shoots. Pea shoots are incredible. Bean sprouts suck. I don't know if I know the difference. What's the main difference? Pea sprouts like fresh and it's green. Bean sprouts are like white and they look dead. So anyway, without further ado, I'm just going to get this over with. <laughs> how's, how's the tofu, Chris? <laughs> Got to be really... a weird, tex- weird texture pizza because tofu is so spongy, and your pizza was crunchy. Yeah, and this there's no flavor to it, so it's just like I'm munching on a sponge. Ah, mm. uh, uh, the bean sprouts are pungent. That's the worst pizza I've ever eaten for this show, at least worse than desiccated liver. Wow, which. I never thought I would say, but these bean sprouts are just disgusting. I'm going to go with, I would pay 32 cents for this pizza. Wow. wow. So I'm surprisingly salty too. I didn't add salt to this, but very 32 salty. cents. That's so bad. I think if these were fresh bean sprouts, it might get over like $2, but. Tofu on pizza just, is just a hard I think it, you if it was seasoned, it would be all right. You should have, um, you should have pan seared it so that it would get a little, you know, like Andrew said last episode. Sure. It's what, what's the difference between pan searing and air frying on the pizza? I don't know. I don't know what happens to tofu. You air fry your pizza? Yeah, I'm just nice. doing one yo-yo slice. I'm not going to fire up the oven for that. Nice. Well, far and away the worst pizza that has made. Vinny's pizza board to date. I'm feeding some to my dog Hubert to see his reaction. He might get diarrhea. Scarfed it. I didn't give him a beans for I just gave him a corner piece. He seems to like it. So <laughs> good for a dog, not for a human. I guess good for a turtle. All right. So as I mentioned, uh last week Chris ate cornflake pizza, which he scored a whole lot higher than tofu and bean sprout um and speaking of last week john do you mind giving the listeners a quick recap of where we left off last episode i do not mind so we left off last episode this is reaching back into the 
the Wayback Machine. We were on trial with Clayton Kellerman, and Krang had made his way up to the Earth's surface. There was a scuffle with the turtles. They ultimately defeated Krang. He got stuck in bubblegum. I do remember that. <laughs> his favorite scene stuck, of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Stuck in John looks gum. like he's reading a synopsis, by the way. Me? No, no, no. Panic I'm not. Googled. Yeah, I can tell by your eyes. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I, I swear to God. And um, and then they return back to the Earth's crust, Earth's core. Um, and what happens? Turtles. Uh, I feel like there's some pun at the end of the show, but yeah, that's the deal. Yeah. So Crane tried to go for the home run and ended up striking out with his little uh, destruction robot. And um, we had, once again, Shredder fleeing back uh, to the underground. So um, so that was season three, episode two. Uh, Today, we're going to continue our review with season three, episode three of the 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles titled Attack of the 50-Foot Irma. But before kicking off the episode recap, I have a few friendly reminders. Stream TMNT Shellcast on your favorite podcast app and YouTube. So as we all know, Chris prefers YouTube. John prefers Spotify. And I prefer Apple for my uh, TMNT Shellcast consumption. Um, Follow us on your favorite social media app at TMNT Shellcast. So long as that social media is TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram. Visit TMNTShellcast.com for a complete archive, which is actually really helpful if, if, I don't know if you guys use the website at all, but the archive links to the YouTube segments are great, in my opinion. Um, but you can also find the Turtlecom voicemail, big green button right at the top of the homepage. Um, and John, I have another question for you. Ooh. What is the single most important thing a TMNT Shellcast listener can do? They can smash that subscribe button. Yeah. So uh, subscribe and tell a friend about Team and T Shellcast. That's probably the most important thing right now. We're, uh, you know, doing what we can to spread the word, but we could use some help. Um, or the other thing that would benefit us is, in addition to subscribing, leave a rating or a review. And we actually have a review from Apple Podcasts that I'll wow. share right now. So kind of wild because it's been what, like almost back-to-back episodes where I've, I've read a review. Yeah. Um, so critical mass has been reached. Uh, listener, and his name, I'll spell it for you. H-U-H-H-H-H-H colon backslash backslash backslash. So clearly what? Uh, it's <laughs> huh with a emphasized indecision emoticon is what I'm going to call it. But the review, uh, it was left on 414. So we're still, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I just noticed it. Um, and the title is Great Podcast! Exclamation point. Wow. And it's five stars. So the is review, that it? There's no the, body? Oh, there is. A, there is. Oh, okay. Review. I really hope you guys keep doing these. I've been looking for a good TMNT podcast, exclamation point. Well, 
huh? We will keep doing this partly for you, uh, because you asked so nicely, but mostly for ourselves since it's fun. Um, but yeah, so that's three reviews, two of them by us, one by a true Chris. This wasn't you. What was it? No, this was not me. I did leave one initially, but I, I put my real name if I'm going to do something like that. Yeah. So we've got, uh, I think we got about a half dozen reviews on Apple podcasts. Um, the subscribes on YouTube. I think we're over a dozen, almost at two dozen people have subscribed, which is pretty cool. And then obviously the social media, which we talked about last episode is, uh, is growing. So next I'd like to introduce a little channel six breaking news. Wow, we're out of the gates, baby. Yeah. yeah, I was not. This is like a mystery episode for me because yeah. I don't know what's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. So I love it. So I will say, I didn't even just, watch it. Yeah, as a disclaimer <laughs> for those listeners, um, you're going to be waiting a while to get to the episode recap. So just uh, <laughs> click that link in the button. But this is a very important one. I did mention the potential of this last week. It is the TMNT Shellcast stickers. Ooh, Holy baby! So shit. Intentionally did not tell John and Chris. Because wow. I wanted it to be a surprise on air. So, Stomp Stickers. No free ads. This is our logo. Uh, great. I mean, I got it. Turnaround was like less than a week for the stickers, basically. Wow. So, I'm going to open the box live. I did take a peek just to make sure it was correct. Well, now, this is now officially an <laughs> unboxing. Unboxing, <laughs> yeah. So, great little box here. Also... Kudos to the background for the breaking news channel six. I know. I Andrew. thought it was fitting. I thought it was fitting. Yes. That so, background is just fire. I love it. The Kersey, channel six news building is awesome. It is it is phenomenal. Um so courtesy of Stomp Stickers. What type of sticker have we produced, Chris? Well, uh we have produced a vinyl decal sticker of the TMNT Shellcast logo, which if you're watching on YouTube, you can see in the top right corner of the screen. Yes, that is correct. So a custom die cut sticker. Die cut, which, that's what I meant. Which is printed with outdoor durable vinyl material. So you were correct on that. Full color image, and it has an easy to apply crack and peel liner. Or in other words, we did not fuck around with these stickers. So <laughs> Wait, further, I have a question. Yeah. Can you use this sticker on a record player if it's made of vinyl? You mean on a record? Oh, no. Play it. On a record player. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Ruin John's joke. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, without further ado, I'm building the suspense here. These are. uh, So, we have a, first of all, great. Again, great packaging. 250 of these bad boys. So we call wow. a fat stack right there. Fat stacks, yeah. Um, and I'm hoping my green screen doesn't mess this up. Coming to a city near... Wow. Look yeah, at that. Let me, let oh, me it did. I thought it was screen. see-through for a sec. Yeah, let me turn off my green screen. <laughs> it looks like trans- uh, yeah. Continuing to build the suspense. Let's see here. How do I turn it off? someone right behind Andrew when he turns yeah. the screen off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So screen is off. Here is that is what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, those are Holy. awesome. 
Wow. So um, keen viewers will know, I did add a QR code right to the center there. So it is a TMNT Shellcast circular logo. The QR code goes right to the website. We can find all our info. It's three inches in diameter. I did, uh, we talked about the perfect inch. size. I think, I think three say. inch, yeah, is, is really solid. Um, and then again, on the back, like f- we talked about peel and stick, oh, like yeah. it's just an oh, easy. Yeah. Whoop. yeah. That's easy nice. Little. Slap that right on a stop sign yeah, somewhere. It's a, it's wow. Not that we I'm telling you right now, those are going to be appearing all around Boston, Massachusetts. So I haven't talked to you guys about this, but I think, so we did 250. Um, I think maybe we should reserve like at least 50 for ourselves to just plaster and then have 200 available for, for listeners or somewhere around that. Yeah. Um, so plenty, as we've mentioned before, first team and T shell cast voicemail, Turocom voicemail will receive a complimentary sticker. Um, and then we'll see what else, what else is promised. What else happens? Those I, I'm just in those stickers are so great. Yeah. I'm like in disbelief. Yeah, where's the first place you're going to stick them, John? Uh, at a very first. high trafficked. Yeah. Actually, you know what I you know what I should do? It's going to be a little artsy. I feel like there's some good places. I'll take the misses out on a date and we'll go sticker. Go put some yeah, stickers. Some maybe on some shit. Maybe on a sewer grate cap. I mean, they are outdoor durable vinyl materials, so they could last theoretically on a uh, sewer cap. Yeah. Maybe a few of them might make their way up to Northampton, Massachusetts, home of the Ninja Turtles, the origin of the Ninja Turtles, whatever it is. Yeah. Chris, is that the first place that you would stick one? No. The first place I'm going to stick one is on my hard hat for work. So I'm a mobile billboard, (laughs) and anybody walking by can just snap the QR code and listen to the podcast. I did double check, too. The QR code does work. It is a issue sometimes when you print QR codes. Mm. However, this one does work. So again, I just want to show it again for all the excellent uh, listeners out there. Very nice. And thanks also again just to kudos to our lo- yeah yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say that as well. So this wouldn't be possible without um, our good friend Rez, who did design the logo for us, as well as the main uh, Turtle Van logo. So thank you. I will also send you some Rez. I think you're wow. in Germany, but it's going international. So we got beautiful. It. Um, but wait, there's more. Oh fuck! I wait for Chris to finish drinking. So sorry, my mouth is I so thought, dry thought, from how hot those stickers were that I needed. I thought, drink. I thought Chris was taking a sip of water so then he could spit it out, <laughs> Triple H style. <laughs> so, <clears throat> in addition, again, I want to do a little surprise. So. What I also did was I ordered 150 of these bad boys. Uh oh! Wow! So these are incredible. This is for listeners. This is a straight out of the Turtles in Time. It's a sprite of the Cowabunga word bubble, and it's like it's intentionally pixelated. Um, but these are also three inches in in width and the same durable vinyl. Easy, you know, peel and stick back. So those will also be going out to our first Turtlecom voicemail um, participant and a variety of other people. So, and these, I'm thinking maybe we make these ones limited edition where it's just when it's done, it's done. I don't know. Yeah, those are awesome. 
It's um, a nice surprise. I have something to comment. Did we not have some type of Ninja Turtle like toy or something where there were like these like sticky like the old stick, the vinyl, yeah, something like it's that? Funny you mention that, John. So a couple, well, probably like five or six episodes ago now, I had thought I had secured the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles board game secondhand, which is what those were for, I realized after uh, the fact. I thought the same thing, and then when I saw the board game for sale, I realized it was for that game. But unfortunately, it was too good to be true, and I put the order in and just, I don't know what happened, if it already sold or it was a scam, but I never got it. Got my anyways, money back, though. So. Yeah, that's what Angel, those Cowabunga stickers. I'm just thinking, just, yeah. In my head, it's like, you know, the street signs where it's the crosswalk guy? I stick a yeah. TMNT showcast and a cowabunga on his head. Yeah. How do how does that not get some clicks? John's the next Banksy. Yeah. Banksy. Yeah, that's a Banksy, right? And there's more. What? Yeah. Not a sticker. sticker. It's like Christmas. Yeah. Not another sticker. So, again, just to recap, TMNT showcast stickers are here, and so are the cowabunga cowabunga bubble but i was also interested to see hey what what does some of this look like on some merch did you get a cowabunga hat so no oh no way that is awesome oh my god wow so andrew with the hair you have a lot of hair i know (laughs) but what i will say is i did just one to test to see how it turned out uh, turned out awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. So what I'm thinking Damn. of doing is maybe we do a pre-order um, and we can do more than just the cowbunga. Obviously, we can do the the main logo. Um, but I got this through a seller on Etsy just for you know for us to promote it. And then I think maybe as we continue to build out the merch shop, um, we can have a you know have something available for listeners to purchase too. That's incredible. I'm just in awe. Yeah. So. I mean, lots of great because things. Also, happening. can we just talk about that hat reveal? That was like, spoiler alert, at the end of the first Saw movie. Yeah. <laughs> when it's yeah. been in your, it's been there the whole time and you didn't even know. And then the big reveal. Wow. I know. When I was grabbing my headphones, I was like, oh, shoot, did they see it? Because I was wearing it backwards on purpose. But oh, no, I didn't now I'm going to wear it forwards. Uh, so overall, what do you guys Frontwards. think? A L- little nice uh, surprise. Yeah. The best. This, again, I wasn't a fan of this Turtles episode. This is now pushing toward the top of the TMT Shellcast episodes just based on the surprises. I would agree. I love it. Andrews, Andrews hosted, wow, looks even better frontwards. Yeah. Andrews' episodes are always like a wild ride. I love it. Mr. Toad's wild ride. <laughs> yeah, you got to... Well, I will say I love that we alternate who hosts because it's a different experience every time. And it's like phenomenal. So at some point we'll do the power ranking of hosts. So maybe we'll have the listeners. (laughs) And we should do a power ranking of like whatever. What's it called if we're not a host, but we're a panelist or whatever. Co-host. Yeah. 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 Panelist. Oh, it's going to, my cowabunga is going to get washed out. We got a blue cowabunga going on. Yeah. We got so it's like uh it's like a mood ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Those so. things are a load of shit, huh? 
Mood rings? <laughs> just yeah. super depressed right now. <laughs> yeah, he's just blue. Yeah, um, mood rings. Like, what's that about? Your mood. Very good. Yeah, that's just classic, like, 90s, uh, 90s BS. But, again, just to recap the Channel 6 breaking news, we have TMNT Shellcast stickers. We've got about 200 uh, for listeners. And then we also have a limited edition Cowabunga Speech Bubble sticker inspired by the Turleson Time, which is limited to 100. And when they're gone, they're gone, baby. So, now we can get into the episode recap. So... Uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Irma opens with Donatello, Raphael, and Leonardo asleep in their bunk bed. And this is the second time we've witnessed bunk beds. Either of you guys remember the first appearance? I believe it was the first or second episode when April... It was the second episode because April had slept over the first night. I think you're right. I tried to look it up. I couldn't remember off the top of my head, so I wasn't able to find it. Um, however, in this episode, the turtles are arranged from top to bottom. It's Donatello, then Raphael, then Leonardo, and presumably Michelangelo is on the bottom. However, he is awake and decorating the lair with streamers and balloons before accidentally causing Donatello to sneeze from one of the streamers, um, which then knocks Mikey off his ladder and then collapses the entire bunk bed. So, chaos, bed. yeah, chaos <laughs> in the first minute. That's why you don't do bunk beds four levels high. And sure. the bunk bed was on the curvature of the sewer tunnel. Yeah. So it was a very interesting setup that they had where the legs were like staggered to account for the slope. Yeah. Chris, did this bring back any flashbacks for you watching bunk beds get caved in? <laughs> yeah, a very vivid memory of you climbing on the top bunk and it collapsing on top of me in I don't know we're in like sixth grade maybe <laughs> I fucking love bunk beds I had all one in college there is the thing about bunk beds is the top bunk is so overrated it's the worst the bottom is where it's at bottom is very cave like have you guys seen those um bunk beds that have like a desk on the bottom level like for yeah Dorm, like dorms and apartments would, would be a great space saver, but they've evolved, Chris. Definitely. Top's just too close to the ceiling always. You're you're like you move too quick and your elbow smashes the sky. Yeah, but when I was top bunk, the best move I had was pinning my Michael Jordan posters to the ceiling. So I would sleep <laughs> right underneath them and wake up to them every day. <laughs> His air That's what all the greats do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes. When were you in the top bunk, John? Very early on, when I had the sidecar bed yeah. in the corner by the this elevator. This was the closet. third wheel. Mm. When we were all in the single room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> crammed in. in boarding. School. And Andrew had a a train picture on the wall of him in a Barney shirt. What? You don't remember the wooden train with the cotton ball smoke coming out of it? No, it's true. That was like a first grade uh, or second grade school project about shapes. What yeah. was was it? Acrostic that <laughs> said, "My dad is tender." <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing beats that. That's still nothing beats that. 
Yeah, I can't believe they didn't call like Child Protective Services after John wrote that bad boy. That's a clip art special, anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Um, so back to back to the episode. Bunk bed collapses, and we learn why was Mikey up so early, Chris? Because Mikey is a simp. And he was putting together a birthday party for Irma, who he's met once and seems, I thought it felt like he was a little smitten with her, but either way, Mikey just always chasing girls, apparently. Yes. However, uh, Mikey being Mikey, he forgets to invite Irma. So he instead, or as he realizes that and explains to uh, the other turtles that he's not Shredder and he's not attacking them and he was just setting up for the birthday party that um, he must call April so that April brings Irma to the party later this, this evening. And she, she confirms, um, but she has to quickly get off her turtle comm because um, she is about to do an interview. So in, in the seconds leading up to her interview, Mikey is kind of qu- quick talking, I would say about uh and digressing about the whole party and just focusing on the food so he's discussing the food menu um april infer uh informs mikey um that she's she's got to hop off um so that we get a couple pizzas mentioned here i'm going to save it for the pizza time segment uh, because i think it'll be a little bit more appropriate there but she has to hop off the phone because a meteorite recently crashed near the planetarium and she is interviewing professor von zifflin who claims that the meteorite is quite unusual since its core is composed of what rare isotope john the rare isotope known as exoboron exoboron that's correct and that exoboron meteorite it's split into two pieces upon impact one of them is shown during this interview with the professor in April, and the other is under top security at von Zifflin's laboratory across town, undergoing further examination. What is an isotope? You science well, people. That's a great question and leads us into what was supposed to be the surprise snake draft. <laughs> beautiful wow look at that it's like a perfect segue so the trick andrew pulled was to not change the snake draft actually and just leave it yeah yes, it was. <laughs> so we're gonna do it it, sh- it shouldn't be t- uh, too long one i know we're just getting into the recap and pausing for another segment however uh as john mentioned with with the mention of isotopes i thought it would be a uh interesting snake draft to do the snake draft of periodic table elements um, which are different from isotopes. So John, to answer your question, I don't actually know what an isotope is. I think it's an element that's maybe missing electrons or something, right? Yeah, I thought it was electrons. I, was, I didn't know if it was electrons, but it either has extra or is missing the standard amount something. for that element. Is this either, like the plus and minus? Yeah. I think isotopes, yeah. Because when you think isotope, it's like radioactive isotopes. Is I think the one that comes to most people's minds. I still don't know what it is, though. 
True or false, there's a minor league baseball team called the Isotopes. True. True, they're in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was just watching Better Call Saul. A couple of references to them there. So, I don't know how long it's been since you guys looked at the periodic table of elements. but you I'm not going to look at it. I'm going off the dome. Okay. Yeah, right. college yeah. was the last time probably. All right, I will. Mine was definitely high school. I will pull one up just because I'm going to add a little bonus. If you can guess what number your element is that you're mentioning, then you get uh, a little little gloat, a little bragging rights. Okay. I'm going to go first. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just bring up one gripe I had before we get into this? Yeah. They say they're in a planetarium. It's an observatory. And I'm sick of this show misclassifying <laughs> things, including constantly calling the turtles amphibians, amphibians when they're reptiles. Chris, what is the difference between a planetarium and an observatory? Well, John, I'm glad you asked the question. A uh, planetarium is a building where the night sky is projected on the ceiling for you to observe. An observatory at the Museum of Science in Boston. Yeah, most museums of science have them. That's just a fun fact. <laughs> this, uh, an observatory, which is what this was, is where the giant telescope is to look out at the sky. So Professor Von Zifflin, who, fun fact, was also a Ghostbusters character from the cartoon that preceded this cartoon by a year. So I don't know if they were borrowing from it, but there is a Professor Von Zifflin in the Ghostbusters cartoon from 1986. Hmm. was sitting in a planetarium and killed somebody with the rope. A little clue right. joke for everyone. So was, yeah, Von Zifflin <laughs> with the rope in the planetarium. Well, nice. we're full of just, I mean, this episode the is observatory. spitting facts left and right, you know, interesting things, surprises. So here we go. Chris is actually going to lead us off because he Suck ate it, John. the pizza. Um, then we'll go John, then we'll go me. So I also fed the rest of that pizza to Hubert. He has now eaten the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, Chris, we're going to do three rounds of our snake draft. So it's been a while to remind the list of snake draft. Just like the NFL draft, we're picking our top choices for the periodic table of elements. Uh, Chris is going to start. It's going to come then to John, then to me, and then I will repeat it and go back so that's where it's we're also at. reptile draft right absolutely yeah it's been so long actually i forgot yeah. it's called a reptile draft maybe so. some might say it's an amphibian draft but yeah <laughs> thanks for the reminder john <laughs> yes because an amphibian can go it should be an amphibian draft that would make more sense because it goes in the in and out of the water back and forth make your pick stall right. number one i got confused for a second and i'm so it's been so long, I forgot what the point of the reptile draft was. I am going with gold, obviously. God damn. Gold. Wait, Chris, uh, periodic... do, you know, do you know what the symbol is for gold? I do. Gold is AU okay. on the periodic table. And do you know which number it is? Uh, for some reason, 54 is in my head, but I think that's wrong. That's Ooh, incorrect. I was going to say 57. Nope, it's 79. 79. Never would have guessed that. So gold is just awesome historical uh what's the craft where people try to turn everything into gold back alchemy. in medieval times yeah alchemy, alchemy yeah. a whole study was just created to turn things into gold so really not much i have to say here everyone knows what gold is 
Also, just one of the great uh, abbreviations. Nothing to do with the name gold yeah. in English, anyways. Yeah. I will say, though, as playing devil's advocate, gold is one of the softer metals. Yeah, it's malleable is, is the word you're looking for, yeah. Andrew. Very malleable. <laughs> and uh, there's this little thing called fool's gold, Chris, which I feel like you know something or two about. Yeah. I Listen, you're talking to a guy who no less than a month ago was in the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History in the Hall of Minerals. So you guys got your work cut out for you today. What the John, fuck what do, do minerals have to do with elements? <laughs> if you, the fact that you asked that question means you're about to lose this draft, buddy. What? Are they? Are they A lot they, of minerals might... are, are elements. Well, here's an element any way, but of surprise ahead. for you. <laughs> With the number number two pick, I'm taking the 101 hydrogen, which is element number zero one on the periodic table. Literally, you know what's great about hydrogen? And I think you can do this. You put it in a balloon and then you suck it in and it makes your voice super high. That which is, is wrong. Always funny. That is not. I mean, helium. That's helium. That's helium. Yeah. <laughs> you, you suck hydrogen and you die. Hydrogen, yeah, you'll combust immediately. <laughs> Goddamn. Hydrogen. It's great. Hydrogen it's part of water. By itself. It's yeah, part of water. John screwed up that. Very. Do we put hydrogen in the in the Zeppelin in the blimp? Or That's is that also in the Hindenburg? Yeah. 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 So the if Hindenburg. you want the Hindenburg exploding on your team, then great pick, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going hydrogen because it's the element of life, and it's number one. So I get interested. I get bonus points for that. So. Yeah, hydrogen very important for H two O. And and. I'm not sure. Is it a noble gas? No. Uh, no. Yeah, it no, is. So. Yeah, it's so. on the end. The noble right? gas is the first eight elements. No. No, that's false. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Noble gases are on the, the side of the periodic The far table. right, I thought it was. I think I get confused between like amendments <laughs> and <Yeah>. noble gases. <laughs> Wow, we're it's one of those up. things. If you say that confidently enough, sometimes people just buy it. But first yeah. eight. too smart, you got me. Anyways, hydrogen, noble gas, go. All right, uh, I don't think hydrogen's a noble gas because, <laughs> and you want to know why? I, it's I'm an pretty inert sure gas. Hydrogen is uh, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, unstable because of its electron. Like we were talking about electrons earlier. I'm pretty sure hydrogen, like it's always ready to give up electrons or take electrons. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. You would so be right. I think, hydrogen I think, is not noble. Yeah. I will say, noble. though, in John's defense, hydrogen bonds, the strongest bonds. So you get that going for you. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go. Well, I've got two in a row, so I'm going to I'm gonna play, uh, play some favorites here. I'm going to go oxygen for my first pick. And why? Number one, I don't know if you guys know this, but oxygen is very very bad for most things believe it or not like it's very really? yeah the fact that on earth oxygen is like a key source for almost all living things uh, it's kind of unique 
at least from my from what I recall and what I understand. Like hydrogen, or I'm sorry, oxygen is not something that um, is like easy for evolving creatures to like process. Interesting. Something I knew like it was that. bad for like metal. I didn't realize. Yeah, everything and else. oxidation. I mean, that, I mean that's part of it. Like oxidation of metals, oxidation of like apples, like when they turn brown, it's very reactive. So um, that's why I'm going oxygen. Kind of ties into hydrogen, similar in the sense. I'm not going to guess the number because I'm looking at the table just to check. I'll guess answers. for you. All right, you guys can both guess. Number eight. Oxygen is number four. It's number eight. John has it. Come on, Chris. Everybody fucking knows that. And I didn't remember is it that. a noble gas? It is no. not a noble gas. Not a noble gas. However, my next pick is going to be a noble gas. Fuck yeah. So, I personally like neon. Damn it. Oh, Damn on, it. I Andrew. thought that was a sweeper pick. I was going <laughs> to nope. take that third. Nope. <laughs> so, I always liked the term noble gases. And I, if I remember correctly, it's because they don't react easily. Like they're very stable in it, in their natural state. Or I think actually you only find them as gases like on earth or something. It's something crazy like that. I can't remember. However, <laughs> the reason I'm choosing neon is because there's a whole generation of people that are still obsessed with neon and they were born in the eighties like myself. So, oh, come on. Giving yourself the, come on, 89, come on. I mean, I was, it's a fact, I was born in the 80s. You can't can't play the 80s card when you're born in 89. So why, why You had acid wash jeans as a one-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neon signs, still to this day, from a business standpoint, like, can you top a neon sign? No. No, neon signs are the best. Um, By far. And I know this isn't a gas, but neon highlighters. Right, little like neon colors, here. yeah, just uh, great, yeah, bright neon colors, very bright. Like, how how could you take notes without highlighters? Here's something to noodle on: if you put neon in front of anything, it automatically makes it better. Yeah, like the yeah, word or actual neon. The word, the word, neon blue. Yeah, neon. You're just putting in front of colors and sign the word sign. Neon, neon cookies. Yeah. So. I'm a, I'm a visual guy. Obviously, I run the Instagram. You guys all know that. I like colors. I like, uh, <clears throat> you know, intricate, fine details. Neon checks all the boxes for me. Plus, it is a noble gas. Chris, do you know what number, excuse me, what number neon is? Neon is nine. Is it four? It is ten. Ten. Mm. Great number. Great number, ten. Yeah. And the... Um, Abbreviations, oxygen, everyone knows is O, and neon, if you could guess. N-E. N-E. Yeah. So those are my first two picks. John, it's back to you. Those are good picks, not going to lie. Okay. I have hydrogen with my number two. Don't do it. I'm going to go carbon. Fucking bitch. And here's the reason. Carbon is the building block of life. I do remember that from chemistry. So Andrew talked about oxygen being a decimator of civilizations. Carbon <laughs> carbon is great. One, I'm pretty sure coal is carbon, is it yeah. not? Yep. And you know what happens when you apply a lot of pressure to coal? Fucking diamonds. Diamonds, and diamonds, diamonds are not an element. I don't know. Don't tell that 
to anyone that buys diamonds. Diamonds, which is also carbon, just aligned in a very, a very straight way. Lattice structure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but yeah. So, you got to go carbon. Carbon. And if I had to, just before, hold that thought. Carbon's also what's on Chris's pizza when he burns them. It's carbon. (laughs) (laughs) That's called. That's the flavor. (laughs) It's called carcinogenic neon. Um. Yeah, and I th- I think carbon. I'm gonna go twelve. Carbon's like two, isn't it? Carbon is six. Mm. Six. You gotta love carbon. <clears throat> I like carbon. All right, this puts me in a tough spot because carbon and neon were the other two I wanted, and I'm struggling. Well, I'm not struggling. <laughs> I am struggling a little bit to think of what other elements are. So this, actually, this is a good pick by me. I'm going to pick copper. So copper is personally, I think, one of the better looking elements. It's got that nice copper <laughs> copper tone to it. <laughs> and when it oxidizes, it turns green, like the Statue of Liberty that that uh whatever color seafoam green type deal so it's copper also very expensive there's a little bit of prestige to that um so yeah i'm going with copper cu is the element symbol for it that is correct also fun fact i agree too and and it heats incredibly evenly, so very good material for pots and pans. Actually, any like copper wire is also very common for electrical because it is such a good uh, conductor. John is the word you're looking for. Mm. That was all. Heat, yeah, that was what I was looking for. Yeah, of both heat and um, electrical <clears throat> current. I also, Chris, I'm with you. I'll save. Uh, I'll save my other thing. I'm gonna compare copper to till later because I don't want anyone to potentially steal it. However, I think copper is one of the better looking metals, especially as, as the patina forms, which is the other word that you were looking for. Yep. That's the exact word I was looking for. So I have gold and I have copper. So we're a little bit fancy right now. So my (laughs) next pick I'm going, we're putting our hard hat on, we're getting our lunch pail and we're going with iron. This country was built with iron. Wow. The symbol is FE. It's just hard-nosed metal that is incredibly strong, I think. (laughs) Well, I know it is, but I know there's other stronger metals or alloys, but this iron, listen, this country, the Industrial Revolution, people in mills making steel and iron, that's the image I'm going for here. (laughs) The rust belt. is is silver not an element? Silver is, yeah. How do you yeah, not I go gold, copper, and because silver? Because, John, I want to balance the board. I have two fancy metals or elements, and now I'm going non-fancy. So in fairness to Chris, he is metal heavy on his draft, which <clears throat> is what it is. However, iron was going to be my third pick because of exactly what Chris said. It is, while iron itself is not the most robust metal when you add other elements to it you get stainless steel and to chris's point steel is what changed america like during the industrial revolution forever plus magnets not possible without iron so 
Is that right? That can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe it, buddy? It's right. It is right. No, it's not. Yeah, iron five. That's what's iron's like the most common metal on Earth's crust. So something that's with magnetic also not fields. right. It right. is. That is right. <laughs> yeah, actually, I can see that because I think, I think the the middle of Earth is molten iron. Yeah, there is a lot of There's iron. A lot of iron in there. The downside to iron, though, is it it rusts like crazy cast iron like he's obviously you know cast iron that's a yeah. specific doesn't love a cast iron, iron like, pan you love it but if you don't actually treat it and like cover it like you can't put it in the dishwasher like dad tries to do because it just goes to you know rust to shit but they can last like a hundred years you know what i mean if you take care of it so yeah. um did you know pig the iron that just sounds cool do you know the number Chris? uh iron is like 72 or something 26 <laughs> not even close <laughs> with the numbers. All right. All right. Well, here we are. We have hydrogen and we have carbon. Which John's building a bomb. Are okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm gonna go with the fanciest of precious metals. And that is platinum. Is platinum an element? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. sure it is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. And here's why. One. It is really shiny. <laughs> it's really shiny. <laughs> it is so shiny. Number two. If you sell enough records... They, they call it platinum. <laughs> they turn it into platinum. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. platinum by itself. What does platinum my wedding like? ring. My wedding ring is platinum. Yeah. It looks like it's, um, it's a shiny metal. Similar to like silver or stainless steel, but it's just got a little bit like darker like hue to it, I feel like. Like a matte. Somewhat it matte. is very strong. Also strong. Maybe not, maybe not as strong as iron, but it is very strong. And yeah. I'm going platinum. It's also very Rapper's heavy. Rapper's a big fan of platinum. Very heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It is very heavy. But it is soft <clears throat> and ductile. So. Oh. What is ductile? That. Ductile means it's it my favorite bend. animal. It can bend oh. easily. Isn't that what malleable is? Malleable means can be shaped. Or molded. I don't know. Bent the is fuck? ductile. I think ductility is... Uh, <laughs> Guys, didn't you not take chemistry in college? Yeah, ductility, capacity of a material to deform permanently. So I was right. Obviously, I know everything. Was, oh, malleability is like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think you were doing the hand signal for viscosity. Actually, yeah. <laughs> what's it? Yeah, viscous. Malleable what's is the best? Uh, able to be hand or pressed into a shape as Chris mentioned. Yeah. So you can form it with like tools. So ductile doesn't like once you shape it, it's that shape. You can't change it back. Yeah. Ductility is an intrinsic property of the material. So every material has its own like point at which it goes from elastic to plastic deformation. Not to bore everybody, but Uh, yes, um, obviously. So (laughs) clearly, (laughs) 
So anyway, anyways, platinum. I'm going platinum. PL. John's playing the crowd the... just like, oh, what are they drafting? Oh, platinum. That's the best. That's the best metal there is. Is, pl- is PL the symbol for platinum? Um. So platinum right. is no. It's P. John, do you want to guess? N. Yeah, PA. PT. And it's yeah. number what, John? 94. 78. Oh. So what so recap. I get I have what do I have? Hydrogen, carbon, and platinum. Come at me. Andrew, you're up. All right. So speaking of recaps, I it's been a while since I picked. I chose uh, <laughs> oxygen. oxygen and neon. neon. So both gases, um, one being noble. So I feel like I got to mix in a metal maybe. <laughs> um, fucking Chris took my iron. Unbelievable. Uh, what actually, I know. Freezing ones? Plutonium. I know what I'm going with. I'm, I'm going uh, devil's advocate here. And I'm picking something that's not so good. I'm picking Mercury. Ooh. Mm. So, the, one of the ancient, I'd say one of the, like, they were fascinated with that stuff in ancient times. Yeah, it turns out it uh, legitimately makes you go crazy because it, it, like, reacts to your brain or something. Like, Mercury used to be in thermometers. And then, um, because if I had a guess, it is very viscous or very, I don't know, something about Mercury, like, it can rise and fall. Um, quite easily so that's why it was used in thermometers Um, but then somebody found out that when those broke and they spilled on the kids that it legitimately made them crazy or something so i'm pretty sure mercury's not mercury's not in anything anymore as you made it sound like you get mercury on you and turn into like a werewolf well i i think it is highly um yeah it's not good destructive the term like Body. Mad Hatter came from hatters that used to use mercury as part of the hat making process. Yeah. And they totally went mad over time. Also, gotcha. very bad when mercury is in retrograde. Yeah, so that was actually my other point, is mercury is not only an element, but it's also a planet. The The only element that's also a planet. It's a fact. Uh, right. I mean, well, in, yeah, name, in name. Yeah. Yeah. There's uranium, Uranus. <laughs> There's plutonium, Pluto, not a planet. Pluto's not a planet anymore. Yeah. Um, But also, the other thing about Mercury that's uh, significant is it's the reason you shouldn't eat tuna fish like every day of the week or any sort of fish because Mercury is one of the forever, like chemicals, forever metals, and um, it has sustained itself in the ocean where small fish were exposed in some way. I don't know how. Um, I think it might have been fishing. It was fishing lures or something at one point, Mercury too or yeah, something? Yeah, I think yeah. so. <clears throat> fishing um, stuff. Yeah, fishing stuff. So they were exposed and then eaten by bigger fish, and those that stuff doesn't go away. So Mercury, also bad, just like oxygen. Um, and it's symbol. Do you guys actually know what, what its symbol is? Mercury is... I don't know. It's probably whatever the word is in Greek, though. John, do you know? No, I don't. Well, do you remember from science class millimeters of mercury, like the abbreviation MM? MMG. HG. MMU. 
that little H-E. weird U thing. So Mercury oh. has no letters in its abbreviation in its actual name. I don't know if it's the only one like that, but it's number 80, HG, Mercury. Gold. So. Iron. Yeah. Tin. What are we, two of my picks? Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> the point is, uh, it actually might be the only, no, there's, a, there's one other H. But uh, to recap, the snake draft of periodic table elements. Chris started us off, and he went... Chris, why don't you recap for everyone? I'm not just sure remember. I went gold, then I went copper, and then I went iron. I'm building a medieval army over here. I went hydrogen. I went carbon, and I went platinum. And then I rounded things out. I went oxygen, neon, mercury. That was fun. Not bad. I have a question for the both of you since we spend so much time talking about mercury what is the closest planet to venus isn't it earth uh the closest planet to venus mars yep no what mars is after earth chris it was Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. Oh, shit. <laughs> Mercury. <laughs> Mercury, yes. Mercury is That's the closest planet to Venus. What is the closest planet to Earth? Mars. Mars. No, it is, in fact, Mercury. Is it Venus? It's Mercury. What is the closest planet to Jupiter? The fuck are you talking about? It's- Do you sense a theme here? Mercury is the closest planet to every other planet because of how fast it spins around the sun. If you were to measure the average distance between say earth and Mercury. Oh yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Because when like when Venus and earth are on opposite sides of the sun, Mercury is just fucking zipping around and it's the closest to, so it's the closest to every planet statistically. What is the, um, since you're on it, I just need to know how many days is it, is it's, um, what was it called when you orbit the sun? Year, year, year I guess. One year. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Solar year. Twenty years. Like Twenty days or something. Just to let us down, John. Yeah. No, but isn't is that not a cool fact that Mercury? Like, I know it's not you know in the order, but it's the closest planet to every other planet just based on how orbits work. I thought that so was that's, that's on average, right? Not at any given time. I mean, on average, yeah. No, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it would be on average. I mean, yeah, not at any given time though. Like if so, Jupiter and Saturn are they if they're on opposite ends, Mercury's closer to. Yeah, Jupiter. there's a there's a brief time where Saturn may be closer than. Yeah, there would be. So, just I thought that fact was cool. Very good. So that wraps up our reptile draft of um, periodic table elements. Now we're back to the episode recap, which barely got started. So we're an hour into the <laughs> podcast and <laughs> like two minute uh, recap of the episode. But hey, that's how it goes when I have some time. Um, so again, just just to get everybody up to speed, Michelangelo was sitting out for Irma's birthday party. Um, April is interviewing Professor Von Zifflin, who just recently discovered a meteorite that crashed 
near the planetarium and is made up of a rare isotope called exoboron, which is not real. Um, split into two pieces and the other half is in his laboratory. So at that exact moment that he explains where the other half of the meteorite is, Shredder interrupts the interview by spraying a nox noxious gas, which could be potentially, what, John? Hydrogen, maybe? Could be. Helium? Could also be fart spray. Yeah. We don't know what it is, but it distracts um, those that are being interviewed, and he steals the half of the exoboron meteorite that was in Von Zeflin's hands, I guess. Um, meanwhile, back... Walks in right in front of the camera. Yeah. yeah. Very funny scene. Number one, when he's just peeking around the corner during the interview, and then his hands, they zoom in on his hands, picking up the meteorite, and then he just, like, turns around, puts his face in front of the camera, and then walks away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but his face was in front of the camera long enough that the turtles who were watching the news segment on live TV recognized it was Shredder. And so they... Um, are already amped up because they thought earlier maybe Shredder was attacking them in the bunk beds. Um, so they hop and about to run out the door when then Splinter stops them and says something along the lines of, like, don't run around like a turtle with your head cut off. Yeah, total buzzkill. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're back to disciplinarian Splinter in this episode. Yeah, fun, fun sucking Splinter. Um. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the opening scene there? Um, just that every single scientific interview April does gets interrupted by Shredder. So you would think maybe a little more security is warranted at these rare element interview things, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, or here's an idea. Record the interview and don't like just play it live on TV. Yeah, nothing you know, good happens point. on live television. Yeah. Um, also, like this Dr. Von Zeppelin, just like, or whatever his name is, has this meteor is a bowl. It's, there was like something, it was like hollow inside. And he's just like touching the whole inside of this rare isotope. Like, I don't know. To me, that's just, it's like radioactive. When I hear rare isotope, I just think radioactive. Yeah. A lot of rare elements floating around Turtle World. You just had solar benite last episode. Now we got exoboron. And that's a great segue because back in dimension, uh, not dimension X, back in the technodrome, which is five miles beneath the earth's surface still, um, Shredder returns and he has that meteorite half, um, which Krang attempts to harness that exoboron energy. So the whole, again, similar to last episode, Krang is trying to, to get the Technodrone fully functional so it can get out of the Earth's core and back to the surface where they can conquer uh, Manhattan, destroy the turtles. So he needs this exoborn energy and he crystallizes the meteorite, which al apparently allows the exoboron powered enlarging ray, which he has in the Technodrome, um, to grow whatever, it's, whatever it shoots, it grows that subject six times its normal size. Did you guys catch what is different about Krang in this episode? There's something very specific about his costume that I noticed. No. Mm -mm. No idea. It has a butthole now. There's a little what? metal port on his butt. 
that wasn't there in other episodes. So if you this go back like... and watch, I don't know what I couldn't figure out what else it would be besides a butthole for the Android suit. Hmm. Go go back and look. I'll pull it up while we're doing this. Quite interesting. Um also when not you know, when Crane crystallizes the exoboron, he's got this little like capsule thing that he just holds over the dust and it sucks it all up and then he puts it in a, a pot. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was a pretty yeah. cool little invention. I would use that. Yeah, and once he does that, then he then tests the enlarging ray. And Shredder initially thinks that Krang's going to test it on himself. But instead, Krang wants to test it on Shredder due to the potential that it's going to malfunction. Um, Shredder agrees, and the test goes perfectly. Um, I think Shredder grows more than six times the size. Like, he occupies the entire Titanodrome, essentially. But um, Well, you were Andrew, you were saying Shredder is like seven feet tall right he's like a big dude yeah i don't think he's seven feet but yeah he's like high six feet or he's supposed oh, to be okay. massive relative so six times i'm like 48 yeah, like 40 feet somewhere around there <clears throat> oh yeah it's like eight yeah yeah 40 feet yeah it's like he's way too big for the technodrome like it got more than six times his height is what i'm saying Nice. Oh, they put it on the action figure too. You're on mute, Chris. <laughs> so we are just presenting <laughs> it without comment. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone saw. No need to harp on it, but it was not there in other episodes. It jumped out at me. Yeah. Chris um, Kaz fucking got an eagle eye for a butthole. It's like a cat butt. He was like flaunting it around. Well, at the end of that scene in the Technodrome, Crane um, essentially, like you start to piece together their plan. So Crane is going to enlarge Shredder on the Earth's surface to then, you know, cause destruction or conquer this, whatever it may be. Um, That's what this Exoborn is being used for is at least my understanding. I don't know if there's actually a need f- within the Technodrome. That's what I was trying to figure out when I was rewatching it, but I didn't pick up on any any cues. So it's legitimately just to like grow Shredder, Bebop, Rock City, whoever, um, to then take over the city, which is kind of like a throwback to the episode that Crane Android body like grew to be massive. Yeah, Crane already mm. has this technology. What are they... What are they doing with this stuff? Well, he has it in the <laughs> suit, but he he can't do it to split, um, Shredder or. Oh yeah, I guess people, that's right? true. Um, but anyway, and the, that chip got Donnie destroyed that chip in that episode, so he, did. he, does, think he, he no longer has it. Whatever, irrelevant. The point is, like, so just getting big is an advantage now. Apparently, I mean they're striking out everywhere else. So bigger, like Texas, would be all behind this. Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> Um, so meanwhile, back at channel six, Vernon is complaining to April about the interview mishap with on, on Zeflin, Zeflin, um, and, um, they're chatting back and forth and she confirms with Vernon that she has a second interview on the books, um, to make up for the, the mishap. Um, and then immediately after that exchange, she turns to Irma and asks for her help researching isotopes. 
um, which we still don't know what that is. Maybe John can do some research in the uh, in the downtime in between. But research isotopes. Uh, however, Irma is hangry because she's on apparently like a steadfast diet, um, and she's heading out. She wants to head out of Channel Six to grab some food and specifically break her diet. So April trails her as any good friend would do and tries to convince her not to break her diet and to stay committed and out of channel six they go. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of talk about Irma's diet and she can't break this diet. And it's very on point with late eighties, uh, nutrition trends. I feel yeah, like where everything was a diet. Yeah. Also Vern wears a belt <laughs> and suspenders. What a loser. Yeah, he's a director, though. Did you see that? He was in the director office. So maybe that's why he's always writing writing April. Um, But what's that you said? Oh, what is an isotope? Why why I do have the definition of what this is. It is a chemical element that has the same number of protons within the nucleus, but a different number of electrons orbiting it. Yeah, so we were spot on, basically. So you were right, yeah. Yeah. Nailed that. Nailed it. Um, So outside of Channel 6, Irma is walking down the street, and she's seeing signs, billboards, neon signs, if you will, um, for things like ice cream or cookies. So she's daydreaming about all these things that she could be eating. Um, And as April's still trying to convince her not to break her diet, Irma sneaks off to get ice cream and April looks up and realizes Irma's missing. She thinks she's maybe in the alley right around the corner. She goes down that alley and lo and behold, Shredder emerges in a transport module and he quickly calls Crane um, upon making it to the surface and then asks him to send through the enlarging ray um, transport module, which then surfaces and services right under April and actually um, like catches her on, I'll call it the spire. I know it's not a spire, but like the little actual end of the enlarging ray. So she's stuck. And what does she do? As always, she calls the turtles. Um, she calls the turtles for, for help and the turtles immediately run off. So they were like crime blocked earlier by splinter. <laughs> um, but, if it, when it comes to saving April, apparently they get the green light and they hop on their cheap skates, which have made many appearances since their first. Um, yeah. Cheap skates and transport modules just zoom in all over the place the yeah. last three episodes. But what's also, interesting, go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say when they hopped on those cheap skates, that would have been a prime time for cow, a cowabunga. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't yell cowabunga there. Instead, yeah, they yelled so- like turtles. Assemble or something. Turtle power or yeah, something. Sounds like, like somebody's a little desperate to get the cowabunga count up. I mean, I don't know. Eighty-two and a half might have been a little too high. Is all yeah, I'm saying. I think so. <laughs> um, so they take off to rescue <laughs> April. Meanwhile, again, there's a million cutscenes in this episode, so I tried to try to organize them a little bit. But meanwhile, back in the Technodrome, Crane is trying to activate the enlarging ray, but something is interfering with their transmission. And we know that is April because she is stuck on the ray itself with Spire. Um, so in that meddlesome reporter. Yeah. 
Um, so in in his uh, haste, or in her haste, um, Irma, she exited the ice cream shop because she got exactly what she wanted. She's double fisting. What were the two flavors? Does anyone recall? Stra- strawberry and chocolate with a cherry on top. Yeah, and these are like three scoopers, which is a dangerous game to play with an ice cream cone where that starts melting, your hands are going to get all sticky. Yeah, yeah you better which, fucking get licking. Also, Psycho Move is playing a cherry on a cone. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. seen that before? Like, no. So, cone is a. Yeah. Never go cone. Cup and waffle cone. cone. A cone. Uh, depends. A chocolate dipped waffle cone? Here's the marshmallow stuck just... in the base of it so that it doesn't drip. This is the waffle cone bowls. Like, you literally have yeah. the best of both worlds. You have the waffle cone, but it's a bowl, so you can't leak out, and there's no, like, hole that you get drips on. So, um, but she, she exits, and then, like, the perfect storm of you've got April there, Shredder, and then the Turtles, like, all, and Irma, all convene at the same exact moment. Um, and then Crane, just in, like, a haste, abruptly, like, activates the enlarging ray and just fires it, like, comes down and then shoots and it misses shredder and immediately just drills uh irma like point blank um, yeah shredder's like he's like hurry the fuck up <laughs> turn the, the laser on like blast me i want to be big and then just total whiff by krang yeah yeah and if listen if we know one thing about time. krang he is not afraid to just start firing whatever he's in control of <laughs> so you tell krang to hammer the button He's going to blast, to Andrew's point, right in the chest of Irma. And what I appreciated about this episode was the ray was very sparkly and well animated. So And, like, impenetrable, too. Yeah. Because yeah. the turtles try to, you know, save her or stop her, and they, like, bounce off. Um, yeah. So. I'll, just, like, the pressure of, like, when you have a task that you need to do, and someone is just like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. It it is hard to do it effectively. I always think of like if someone's chasing you and you got your keys out trying to get into a car or a house, it's like if you need to execute a simple task and there's a lot of pressure, some people just crumble. Not to mention, John, that if you if you caught this, Crane openly said that he hated Shredder right before they went to the surface. So we have yeah. the first acknowledgement that Crane, deep down in his little brain heart, Actually hates, <laughs> truly hates Shredder. So add that to what he's feeling inside when he's just trying to trying to get all this under control from, for like I don't know why he couldn't just gone to the surface in this thing. He has to control it from down in the Technodrome. But what what on Krang's plate right now? Yeah. Like what was like his reaction when he ble- he's just like he's got to be like God damn it, <laughs> like God damn it, like yeah. I everything I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to do the thing. And Shredder is just like, just fucking take a step to the right. Get blasted by the beam, you idiot. And like, oh. what are the odds Krang just fucking rams up in the sidewalk right where April's standing? Yeah. Like, the odds of that are one in a billion. Yeah. I, I mean, had in my notes, question, yeah. The real question, ahead, though, Andrew. is like, if you're in Krang's shoes and you've got Shredder that's calling you, just saying like, now, now, go, go. Do you <laughs> fire? Like, do you actually fire in that moment? Or do you just say like, Shredder? Shut the fuck up. I need a minute to like, get my bearings. You know what I mean? I feel I, like I would got to tell him to shut the like, fuck up. Yeah. No, 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 no. I like what Crank, because 
Shredder was nowhere near the path of this beam. <laughs> I know. Uh, this is a part where Krang's like, oh, you want me to fucking fire the gun? I'll fire the gun. And he just blasts it. <laughs> yeah. Instantly. It just like gets out of spite. It's like a spite shot. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, you yeah, want to call the shots? All right. I'll, we'll, we'll do what you say. We'll see how this works out. <laughs> so after after Irma gets hit, um, Shredder immediately jumps into his transport module and goes back down um, into the earth. And Irma doesn't experience the immediate enlargement that Shredder did a few scenes ago. Um, she goes back to channel six, like nothing happened except she was sad that her ice cream melted. Um, yeah, she's pissed about that. And then back at channel six, she, uh, Vernon's asking for some help, looking up some files or some, some film footage. And so they go into a, like a back room and she becomes clumsy due to her growing limbs and proportions of her body, her feet enlarge, her, her arms enlarge. Yeah. She um, goes like giraffe neck for a sec. Yeah. But she starts to become self-aware that something is wrong um, in that scene. And she continues to grow and grow and then ultimately breaks through the file room wall. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, and at that moment, um, it's it's a couple scenes ahead. But basically what happens immediately after that in Channel 6 is April comes to find Irma. She sees that she's not in the file room where she was left and there's this massive hole in the wall. So she calls the turtles thinking that Irma has been kidnapped by a monster um, in a panic. But back in the sewer, Donatello is testing a crystal sample that he found during the encounter with Shredder in his state-of-the-art laboratory, which I have to point out, Donatello's lab is one of my favorite like the lab as it's seen in this episode is one of my favorite parts of the layer because, mm. and I've watched through obviously through the end of the series. I just, Donatello used to be my least favorite turtle. He's grown on me more and more because of his, what he brings to the team. Like nobody else can do what Donatello does. I just love that his lab is always so far at least is just like, Bunsen burners and Erlenmeyer yeah. flasks and Test the tubes, like most yeah. stereotypical laboratory setup. No matter what he's working on, he's always like reducing solutions or whatever. Wasn't there a um a movie scene where it was like this big fancy lab and this guy was just brewing coffee with it? That's uh breaking bed. Is it is it? Yeah, Gil makes like the big coffee machine in the lab with Walter White. I'm sure it was used elsewhere, but that's in mm-hmm. um, it's in Breaking Bad. Well, in the intro to the series, there is a scene where Donatello, when he does machines, he's got this big Rube Goldberg machine, and he's dripping into his coffee cup at the at the end. So, yeah, I do. I agree with Andrew. I Donatello is slowly becoming my favorite turtle. I mean, I'll always love Mikey the best, but. I, I too hated on Donnie, and he is very much a critical element of this foursome. Listen, it's tough being a purple cartoon character for kids. <clears throat> As the purple Teletubby knows all too well, you, and Barney, you just get ragged on when you're purple at that age. Chris, keen viewers, what is the color of the shirt that I'm wearing right now? Periwinkle? I would say that is lavender. You would be correct. It would be a shade of purple with a green hat. Am I a turtle? Is this an ode to Donatello? Perhaps. Perhaps. 
Yeah, well, we'll get to what is on my head. Cowabunga. <laughs> I know part of me actually was going to wait until, because we do get a cowabunga later. We'll talk about that in Turlism. Part of me was going to wait until that came, but I just felt it was too good in the uh, yeah. breaking news. So, yeah. uh, regardless. John's uh, bald like a turtle as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Regardless, Donnie um Chris just, you, you love the bald joke. You can <laughs> you never miss an opportunity to sneak in a bald joke. He loves it. I wasn't gonna make it, then you took your hat off and I couldn't resist. <laughs> Speaking Sorry, of Donatello bald is beautiful. being bald, um he does confirm that the substance is in fact crystallized exoboron and he immediately knows Irma is in big trouble pun intended so the yeah turtles, for being a rare isotope it's quite well known by everybody yeah and its properties exactly. there actually seems to be because boron is a real element and boron i looked it up is primarily found in plant cell walls and it's what helps them grow so there maybe is some rhyme and reason to exoboron making people be enlarged yeah some great, great detective research right there, Chris. Yeah. Well, show research, John. Ever heard of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we used, we used to listen to this episode. <laughs> or watched it. <clears throat> the turtles then decide, okay, Irma's in, in trouble. We need to head to Channel 6 uh, to warn her. Because lo and behold, you know, she's going to grow and grow and grow, and hopefully the turtles um, will get there in time to minimize the destruction. Uh, then we get a cutscene back to the Technodrome. So the turtles are on their way to Channel 6. Irma has just broken out of the Channel 6 building. And back in the Technodrome, Krang and Shredder are bickering as to who is at fault for the earlier mishap, which clearly Chris is going to say it was Shredder's fault. Because he's an anti-shredder, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I did. I was curious what you guys thought. Who, who in your mind is in the right or the wrong in that situation? John, Krang. You go. Krang is in the wrong because, it, like, April was hanging all over the tractor beam, so he needs to make sure that he was aiming it at the right person when he's about to fire that thing off. So it's Krang's fault. So, I can't remember. Does can Crane see what's going on from his vantage point down? Because he said the signal's blocked. He didn't know it was April on there. I know he did because I think he saw it on the screen. Yeah. Listen, I think here's he my her. defensive Crane. He was not at fault for what happened with the laser beam, but he was using this exoboron all willy nilly for somebody that knew there was a limited supply of this stuff. Yeah. So he's he's dicking around with Shredder in the lab beforehand when he should have been conserving this material for when he actually needed it. So I'll yeah. let Kring take that blame. That's fair. That's fair. That's a great point, Chris. Great point. Um, and in that, um, Crane does need more exoboron because he's depleted the entire stash that they had from the first half of the meteorite. Um but he does mention something here. Then this is where it got confused. He says he needs more exoboron to repair the apparatus. I don't know if he was. I don't know what that was in reference to. Like I, it caught me off guard because 
I thought I missed something from earlier. I think he no. was dicking around trying to just, yeah, bl- you know, make Shredder bigger. He's like, oh, I have this power. But really, I think he needed it to fix the Technodrome. Yeah, see, that's what I thought at this scene. Yeah. But- or did the, did the whatever machine he's using to annoy Shredder take some damage when they were up with the turtles? Could have. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. But Maybe. either way, he need, he needs more. Um, since that he got for- trigger happy with the Exoboron. Yeah. And it, it was wasted on Irma. So Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady head topside um, with an Exoboron sensor. So this stuff is so significant that there's actually like a tracking device within the Technodrome to find it. Um, and so they go up and their, their goal is to retrieve the second half of the meteorite, which if you recall, Professor Von Zifflin said it was in his laboratory across town um, undergoing further examination. So that's exactly where Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady head to. Um, meanwhile... Irma has turned into a 30-foot tall giant klutz, which I don't know if you guys know. Klutz is spelt with a K. I knew that. K-O-U-T-Z. Yeah. Klutz. I thought it was a C. Um, but so she's walking around the city as this, you know, King Kong-sized creature, and she is bumping into stuff, knocking things over, crushing things, like just mayhem by accident, just Irma being Irma bumping into everything um so as she's knocking stuff over she's like well i need to go back to the channel six building because april can help me like i don't know what's going on but somehow april can help me maybe she can call the turtles who knows um so she then decides to head back and as she's either at or near the channel six building she knocks over big transmitter at the top of the building this big wire structure the old with antenna. that yeah antenna let's call it um that antenna has electrical wires live electrical wires that were ripped from the source and they're just like sparking and they happen to just drop and hang right in front of where the turtle van is headed driven by leonardo not Raphael. i know i as soon as i saw the turtle van my heart skipped a beat hoping yeah. and praying hoping that it would well. be Raphael. exactly so uh, thoughts on giant clumsy Irma? I hate hater. I didn't like Irma to begin with. She just annoys me as a character. And big bumbling Irma is just tough to watch. Yeah. I here's here's something for you. You know on this. I was initially skeptical that she would be so clum. Is she clumsy by nature? Is that like her thing? I think that's what they're hinting at here. Because yeah. it's like just I dits in general, I think. No, but I do think that like if you were to grow six times your size, and it's probably more than that, right? I think it would be it would take a little bit to get used to your bearings, like how big your feet are, like what you're not. You're all proportional. Over. If you were out of proportion, yeah, but she's the same proportion, just bigger. I don't know. In Ant Man, in um, Captain America: Civil War, like Ant Man really struggles with his yeah. pro- like proprioception when he's at the airport. Cause he's like turning and accidentally smashing the things and all that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like your brain and eyes are like your depth perception has got to be out of whack for at least a second to like figure out like, okay, like how do I extend spatial, this? Yeah, spatial recognition. Crane, Crane seemed all right with it when he got turned giant. Crane he's just a brain. Oh. 
But he is he's an all android, brain. It is an android body, though, so. I don't know. But his brain body. Either way, Leo Which is dr- driving the turtle van, and they're barreling mm-hmm. towards the live wires. Um, and, of course, the brakes are out, according to Leo. Of course. Which so, I blame that on Donnie. You got to got to maintain, get it inspected, something. You can't just have the brakes go out on the turtle van. Yeah, it's actually. I mean, Leo's being a little bitch, though, when he's driving it. He's like, I can't stop. Yeah, well, they're all screaming in the back seat. Fucking downshift. Like, he doesn't see. It's First of all, it's it's probably three on the tree if it's a standard. It does have a stick. Yeah, it does have a stick. My point is, he's got everyone screaming at him. Like, he doesn't see the wires dangling in the road. He sees them, guys. You don't need to (laughs) scream, stop the turtle van. He knows they're there. Yeah, downshift. Well, Donnie saves the day or makes up for his blunder of the, the brake lines going out because he grabs, what does he grab, Chris? He gra- I don't know what it's called, a little turtle Grappling hook, hook. hook. let's call it. Yeah, grappling shell or something. Yeah, grapple so he, hook, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, so he grabs that and what does he toss on to, John? A street post lamp. Yeah, street light post is what I would call it. Um. And, and then attaches it to the side mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Of the turtle van. Yeah. That must be attached right to the chassis. Chassis. First of all, this feels like something Mikey should be doing. Okay. Kind of very numb numb. So apparently tossing things around isn't that difficult. Yeah. Well he Everyone's uh, tossing shit this episode. He he knocks it out of the park because he hooks the post. We get a cue of the fight scene music, which is not a fight scene here. Very dramatic. Yeah. Um, and then the van comes to a halt right before they hit the wires. And then, as he's been known to do, Raphael hops out. And what does he do? He tosses his size both to pin down the wires and resolve the issue. Good to see Raph getting involved. Yeah. I know. He's been so... He's been so, like, his role has been diminished these last couple episodes. I'm glad that he at least is here in one of those scenes. Yeah. Um, So, climactic. Um, But then what happens next is even more. uh, Caught me off guard even more. Yeah, because, do you guys know what I'm talking about? This immediate next scene after Raph throws a size and gets the electrical wires. Where Donnie is now in the driver's seat and yeah, so, after yeah. Leo was just in there. Yeah. Yeah. So Donnie basically kicks Leo out of the driver's seat and then he activates. Um, well, let me rewind for a second to build the suspense. So Donnie um, activates the, I'm going to call it the turtle van grappling hook launcher. So basically a bigger version. It has four like cannons essentially, and it's shooting rope um with a hook on the end into the air onto the channel six or whatever the building is onto the rooftop which then the turtles like over i don't know what you call this move scale yeah <laughs> a lot of arm strength to do yeah. that they call it the shake for... weight <laughs> yeah so they also when... scale the six building from the street when donnie he's in the driver's seat and he's like oh will this help and he pushes the button and the things come up it's like yeah, that's going to help Donatello, obviously. Yeah, like, that's a humble brag. That was a humble brag yeah. moment where he's like, oh. It totally yeah. was. Yeah. 
Oh, do you need this? Uh, click the button. Perfect fucking shot right to the top of the building. Nailed it. And then on the rooftop. So this ultimately this episode is just like the Donnie and Mikey show. Because on the rooftop, yeah, is. Mikey, speaking of tossing things, Mikey picks up like a broken pipe, I believe. And he hucks it at this electrical hub switch, whatever it is, wherever the switch power source that's running to these wires that they still need to shut off. It hits the lever and it turns it off. Which, mm-hmm. very disappointing because Leo was in the lead. We need a couple of katana throws here. He's right in line. <laughs> and then Mikey just from the back, I got this, picks up a pipe, doesn't even use his nunchucks. Yeah. Very disappointing. Yeah. Yep. So, at least that incident with Irma is resolved. So, they, they've... Got Irma. So they're on the rooftop. Irma's standing up. So they're kind of like eye level. Um, and Irma is overly sensitive to being large, clumsy. She's crying. She's blowing her nose. And as she's crying, it's like flooding the streets because she's 50 feet tall. Um, so it's still very chaotic. And uh, what we also find out is that the government or the city, well, whoever, like, the U.S. government is sending the entire army, according to April. The entire army is going after Irma. So the turtles, and I think it's Leo, comes up with a quick, quick thinking plan to hide Irma in an airport hangar out in the boonies. So like this old, small, closed airport. Um, I'm going to call it upstate New York. Who knows? But um, they hide her there so that she can take a nap apparently is all she needed yeah how they like sneak her out of the city inconspicuously yeah. is beyond me yeah not, not to mention very convenient of april to just pop up on the rooftop at right after all the action's done yeah you know yeah. she's never around when stuff's going sideways well because most of the time she's mm-hmm. the one being caught and and like causing Dude. causing the battle scenes but when she arrives at the airport hangar, um, she's got her video camera, and I think she captures some video footage because she what she's trying to do is similar to the Turtles in our last episode of Turtles on Trial. She's trying to set the record straight that Irma is, in fact, not a risk to the city and that she was inadvertently made into a giant. So I think that's April's angle is like, I need, I need the truth. I need to get the truth to the news station. So the people know. Um, um, but in that hangar, there's some discussion. And that's where Donnie confirms um, or tell at least tells everyone else uh, and the viewers that he needs a larger sample of exoboron to reverse the effects. So he essentially wants to create the antidote to what Shredder and Crane created, but he needs more exoboron to do so. Um, and then... Conveniently, this is this is why April's in the scene. She reveals that the other half of the meteorite is actually not as uh, located where Professor von Zifflin first mentioned it, which was his laboratory across town. It is instead in the planetarium vault. So that's where the the turtles and April head. Which makes that explains. I was wondering why one April was filming Irma sleeping. Little creepy. That makes sense. They put it in context, and why they even needed her out there to begin with. 
So credit to Wio for finding the spot, but yeah, at least they're filling the 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 plot um, plot holes now instead of just leaving them glaringly open. But if you recall, that's also what Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady were looking for, and they actually have the Exoboron tracking device. Um, so they did not find it at Professor von Zifflin's laboratory, um, and. To make matters even worse, Crane calls Shredder immediately after the turtles um, find out where the second half of the meteorite is. And he calls Shredder basically to rag on him and say, like, what's going on? And uh, I think Shredder gives him the update. We haven't found it. So then Crane says, well, the turtles, your arch nemesis here, are headed to the planetarium. You might want to follow them because they might have a lead. I mean, he doesn't that say whole, that, but that's what he implies. That whole scene where didn't make sense to me where Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady have the Exoboron tracking device. It leads them to the Professor Zifflin's lab, Von mm-hmm. Zifflin's lab. And then, I don't know if you guys caught this, Shredder tells uh, Rocksteady to throw a blaster grenade, which is just a regular grenade. But they blast open the wall, they go inside, and then Shredder says... Oh, this thing's malfunctioning. Like the signal's dissipating. Yeah. So wouldn't it had to have picked up on some exoborn? Like that just doesn't make sense that it would lead them there and then dissipate the second they blast the wall open. Maybe it was there at one point, and so there was some leftover. Yeah, it's going to be trace amounts of it or something. Yeah, I also think I don't know how that works. Like radioactive decay. You know how like that stuff stays around forever. I don't know if you move that thing. Does some of the decay stay where it was and like, you know, contaminate that area? Or is it just the physical thing that's carrying it around? I don't know. Who knows? But that's, yeah, I was, I'm with John. That's what I was thinking. It was there, um, but it got moved and there was some trace signal that was. Also classic shredder to just point the finger. Oh, I screwed up. Must be this thing that's not working. Yeah. Yep. I also think this is a scene where shredder, says something to the effect of like we like we came up empty handed because we didn't have the boron and crane responds and also empty headed. When the turtles arrive at the planetarium vault, um, they're dressed in new outfits. You've got what I'm oh, calling yeah. military slash SWAT outfits. And they're pretending to be uh, on a special military operation. Operation Irma, I think, is what they call it. Yes. Um, so with with that back and forth with Professor Von Zifflin, he opens the vault um, to, to assist them. And right before Donnie's about to grab the other half of the meteorite, who shows up? Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady. Um, and they break into the planetarium. And then we get my favorite fight music once again. So truly the first fight scene, uh, which doesn't last long because the bad guys, they grab the meteorite and who saves the day again, again, Michelangelo. Hell yeah, he does. Slides down the giant telescope and gives us a cowabunga. He does. But what he also does, 
I think right after that is he rips off one of Saturn's rings from the planet that's the planets that are um, suspended from the ceiling and he throws it and la- essentially lassos Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady and they roll out of the front door. And, and <laughs> yeah, perhaps the most devastating move to ever be levied against Shredder. Yeah. Just instantly wrapped up and rolled out the door. Yeah, and in that in that commotion, I think the meteorite, if I remember correctly, like flies into the air, and then Donnie has a sliding catch. So we have Leo, Raph, and now Donnie with uh, episode saving grabs. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So the good guys have the meteorite. Um, however, <clears throat> April then calls with bad news because while the turtles have been fighting Shredder, Bebop and Rocksteady, Irma is headed back towards the city because she's hungry. It's funny because as Shredder, Bebop and Rocksteady are rolling out of the planetarium, the turtles are chasing them. And then Leo gets a call from April and he's immediately like, well, I got to answer this. Like I, we have to like, this is more important than trying to chase down the villains. So he stops chasing them because April called. Yeah, but John, think about it. Every time that phone rings, something terrible is happening. No, I know. I'm just saying. So he has to stop what they're doing. It's like the bad signal, essentially. Like you have to go because you know it's, you have to answer it because you know it's bad news. Um, so on the way to, uh, uh, assuming they're heading kind of back towards Channel 6 or at least downtown, but on the way there, Donnie is in the back of the turtle van and he's, making a giant exoboron antidote capsule so like a pill form of the exoboron for Irma to eat to reverse the growth effect but when they arrive to Irma of course you know she can't swallow pills she only would take her medicine as a kid with a scoop full of ice cream smart move yeah usually sugar is the thing people do but ice cream next level yeah. What do you mean sugar? A spoonful spoonful of, sugar. of sugar makes medicine go down quick. What the fuck are you talking about? Who Mary does that? Poppins. Are you Poppins serious, song. John? That's a Mary Poppins like song. I don't know. Get a little cultured, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. That's on you. <laughs> Mary Poppins? Here's yeah, what I have to I say know. to Mary Poppins. Fuck off, Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's just Mary. She popularized it, but that's like a old song or like, something right yeah old wives trick or whatever you want to call it yeah. um but irma still being a pain in the ass even now at 50 feet tall so mikey who has already like saved the day twice essentially um he's got an idea he is going to place this pill in a mixer truck construction mixer truck is what i'm calling it I don't know if there's an actual name for it, Chris. Concrete truck. Concrete truck, yeah. Concrete um, mixer, whatever you want to call it. So the pill goes in, and then so do, I'm assuming, buckets of ice cream from the ice cream shop down the street, which Irma first went to that got her in this whole predicament in the first place. Um, and then they tell Irma to pick up the mixer to scarf down her medicine and ice cream, which she does, and immediately shrinks back down to size. And meanwhile, as all this is happening, Vernon, the director, had a plan to try to beat April to her own story. And this is really like the 
this may have happened once before, but this ends up being such a prevalent theme where Vernon <laughs> is trying to screw April out of her own story and like scoop her with his own coverage of it. So he's like racing to Irma and when he arrives, she's already back to normal size. So the jokes. Yeah, on I mean, Vernon. shame on him for doing this all on foot. When there's a fleet of news vans at Channel Six, he could have just hopped in. Well, was he was he running or was I think he, he was in a van? van? I thought he was in. A I van. thought he was running or he was like running around the corner. I thought. Well, I think he was hanging out the passenger to... side window of a van. Yeah. Either way. Whatever. Dick move. <laughs> um. And then to end this to end the episode, we have the turtles. So if you recall, the very start. Mikey was setting up for Irma's surprise birthday party. So all the turtles, April, uh, Splinter, and Irma are back in the lair. And Donnie is showing April what he calls the turtle trot dance move, um, which Splinter makes a joke about. And then <laughs> to end the episode, and this is why I want to leave the pizza references, um, we've got Mikey bringing ice cream pizza stacks of ice cream pizza um, while everyone jokes about Irma's diet and last like 12 hours. I think he says over 30, 31 ice cream pizza pizza combinations. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize they were all ice cream flavor. I didn't catch that part. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So before we get to the pizzas, um, any closing thoughts on kind of that last couple scenes of the episode? And Donnie just getting down on the dance floor. Yeah. But most importantly, uh, what did you think of this episode? I did not like it. I just, I want a new villain. Irma, I don't know. Doesn't do it for me. Not the most exciting character. I thought it was good. I'm just, it's hard to, I'm, you know, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. There weren't even any good fight scenes. Every fight scene was like two seconds. I know, but it was good animation, good dialogue. We got a Kelbunga. What more can you ask for? I mean, a fight, a Wrath driving the turtle van, a katana toss. I don't know. It's less about it's less about Wrath driving the turtle van and more about Donnie. This would have been a perfect episode for a blimp. I know. Yeah, they don't utilize their vehicles properly when they should. Good point, John. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, with that, so we did have many pizzas mentioned in this episode. So I thought it would be worthwhile to discuss them with you guys so that we can get the pizza time wheel uh, updated um, and then go from there. So uh, here are the ones that I captured. So first was pepperoni, which was mentioned when Leo was sleep talking in the very opening oh, scene. I missed that. Yeah. So I don't know if we want to put pepperoni back on the board. Okay. It's back. Then when Mikey was on the phone with April, uh, reminding her to invite Irma to her her party, he mentions pizza puffs, pizza dip, and pizza pudding. So the question is, do we want to do those exact or are we going to put like pudding on a pizza? Or do we make a pizza pudding? I think of pizza pudding as like, like it's sort of similar to pizza dip, you know? 
yeah, what okay. would be what would be more <laughs> entertaining? I feel like putting those things on the pizza might be more entertaining for the listeners. Yeah. I don't know. It would be. Yeah, I agree. Because to John's point, what's the difference between pizza dip and pizza pudding? If to me, pizza dip is hot, pizza pudding's cold. Pizza pudding in pizza the pot, pudding five in pot. days old. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I don't know what a pizza puff is either. Is that like a hot pocket? It's a freaking Tostino's pizza roll. Yeah. Oh, pizza roll. Okay. We'll we'll debate exactly what those are unless somebody ends up spinning them. But um, those were mentioned. And then with the 31 flavors of ice cream, which I think is a nod to Baskin Robbins, right? 31 flavors. Yeah. Um, there's three specifically that are mentioned. The first is vanilla and meatball, vanilla ice cream and meatball, which... If you recall, I had ice cream and did I pepperoni. What was it? Ice cream and yeah. pepperoni. Uh, it was pepperoni and ice cream. Yep. Yeah. Trash pizza. Um, so that one's probably going to be interesting. Then we had anchovy and butterscotch ice cream. That I can see a little salty and sweet. Which there's so many anchovy pizzas. Um, and then the last one that I had in this episode was chocolate fudge ice cream and extra garlic, which sounds awful. I also had, this wasn't specifically mentioned as a pizza, but it was an ingredient. Ricotta was mentioned. No, that doesn't count. So uh, that was mentioned. Come on. Mikey said it as like a saying, like definite uh, 6.5 on the ricotta scale. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of Richter scale. So with a shot, we're saying no, John. No, no. Right. Jeez, why not, John? We I think at one point we said any ingredients because we pulled the well, ingredients what was, from the supermarket hold on, shelf. Hold on, what was? Yeah, John. Precedent has been set. What was when they crashed into the fruit stand? Do they? No, they did say it would make a good topping for a pizza, right? Yeah, like yeah, did. but we did. We picked all, right, all the ingredients it. Put, that, on the from board. the grocery store that they were humming at the. That's how I got stuck with bean sprouts. I think do ricotta. That's fine. Add it on. Or as the or as pizza. the Italians say, a rigot. A rigot. You don't roll your R's in Italian, but that's sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I Arrigo. will add I will add ricotta to the pizza time wheel, um, along with those others. So we actually had to recap: pepperoni, pizza puffs, pizza dip, pizza pudding, vanilla ice cream and meatball, anchovy and butterscotch ice cream chocolate fudge ice cream and garlic and ricotta so that's eight pizzas from this episode yeah it's a lot of pizzas right. yeah that's big good. pizza episode huge pizza episode um yeah so those are the pizzas uh which brings us to the twitter poll results last week's this I thought was one of the better <laughs> questions John has asked uh, last week. So it was his birthday as he was very eager to make everyone aware. So last week's Twitter poll question was, what is the best flavor of birthday cake? I chose yellow cake with chocolate frosting. Andrew chose funfetti cake with cream cheese frosting. And he said sprinkles on top, which John did not include in the poll. And John chose carrot cake with cream cheese frosting. So I'm only showing two votes on the Twitter poll. 
which means one of us did not vote. <laughs> how how does yours not update? I or is it my internet or something? <laughs> I think you you just didn't vote. Maybe no, is what on. happened. Hold on. So right now, well, I, I won't say what the results are yeah, because no, give, me, give me a sec here. Yeah, I only see two votes as well. Okay, so three votes. You see I, that? I just refreshed. It doesn't show on mine. How come it shows on mine? I don't know. Maybe. Hold on. Let me disconnect. From, my Wi-Fi has been so weird. Wait, that doesn't make sense. I think you voted for the wrong person. No, John. <laughs> John has lost the Twitter poll with zero yep. percent of the vote. God damn. Which John, you should have known carrot cake is not a yeah. birthday cake. Your your hubris got the best of you. <laughs> and I'm glad to see that you'll be spinning the pizza wheel. Andrew, what would it have what cake would have trumped yellow cake and chocolate frosting, if any? Any other cake. Like what to me, birthday cake. So if you went I'm not a big fan of the yellow cake, personally. I know it's popular. However, you can't let your view cloud your vote. Uh, no, what are you talking about? The question was, what is the best flavor of birthday cake? Yeah, listen, you cannot like my cake, but you have to acknowledge that it is a very popular birthday cake flavor. I just said that, didn't I? No, I think you said you hate yellow cake. I said I hate yellow cake, even though it is one of the most popular flavors. Oh. Okay, I apologize. But um, <laughs> yeah, to me, carrot cake, which I do enjoy, is definitely too polarizing. And I don't think it's a traditional birthday cake. It's not. So that's why I dinged you, John. <laughs> okay. That's fine. A pie would have been, a pie is better than any cake. I'm a big pie. Person. Uh, that's a fact. Mm, I agree I, with that. I disagree. Um, however, with the Twitter poll results, that brings us to pizza time. Pizza time. We have 28 entries on the pizza time wheel, Unbelievable. Uh, including the eight, uh, which are here in text due to some uh, computer issues I was having. So they will get their proper pixel images, um, hopefully for next episode, but we've got 28 pizzas. So a lot to choose from john since you are spinning what are you looking forward to and hoping for and what are you or would be disappointed if you spun i would like to get pizza puffs because i mean tostinos are great pizza's great putting tostinos pizza puffs on a pizza would be even better and i would not like i feel like i haven't done a pizza in a while if i'm being honest i feel like um I don't want to get sashimi again. I don't want that. Yeah. I feel like uh, I'm the only one that's done a pizza in the last year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and John, you said um, off air that you did not want to do a shuffle. That is correct. All right. So we are going to spin and it begins now. It's crazy to think that at one point we were worried about how many pizzas we have. Yeah. It does Here leave later. Year 30. It is spinning. Oh, oh! I think we might have got some Oh, oh! Yep. Wow! <laughs> oh, wow! John called his shot two times in a row, but this was the inverse. Unbelievable! That's what you get, John. I'm left speechless. 
That's a great one. You get to order sushi and just. I was going to say, although, yeah, the upside is that now we can order pizza one night and sushi another night, and then I just combine the two. So for yeah. those at home that are not watching, John spun sashimi, which he had stated a second prior to spinning the wheel that he was hoping he would not get. Some may, some may have say, I just picked the old mate. Yeah. The interesting I not thing only about did I what I. I got what I asked for, and I got the old maid. Yeah. The interesting thing is you have a little customization here. You can choose your type of fish. That is true. So maybe... <laughs> Do be, I perhaps maybe go be... a Cocoa Puff fish? <laughs> <laughs> a Swedish fish? So if oh. it were me... <laughs> yes, so if it were me, I would probably go with like... Uh, like eel sashimi because it's already cooked and like heated. You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah, lean true. into yeah, yeah. the complimentary option or you just go complete 180 and just go straight up like tuna, like traditional sashimi, just a slice of cold fish just popped on there. Yeah. That is, would be in the spirit of the, yeah. is there eel sashimi? I don't think I've ever heard, had that. Um, there is, uh, is there, I think there is. I think they just plop it. I think they yeah, just, just plop it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Curious to see what John comes up with, but looking forward to him not enjoying his pizza. Yeah, we'll pay back. We'll pay back for John. Because what was your last pizza, John? My last one was er mushroom. Yeah. Yeah, which was like a walk in the park. Yeah, agreed. This one isn't even that bad. You looked out again. If I'm being honest. <laughs> So, I, I th- yeah, I think I've definitely had the best pizzas. Yeah, hands Cocoa down. puffs, anchovies and peanut butter. That was pretty bad. Extra crispy crust, chocolate chips and caramel fudge, meatball and mushroom. Yeah, John's just like eating lunch on this on TV on this. On tiptoeing through the tulips, but yeah. the the mushrooms did give him a tummy ache. He did. True. He did have a. Little, they did. Uh, yeah, I did have a tummy ache. So, but you know what they say. God gives his worst tummy to his strongest warriors. <laughs> All right. So that, some that concludes pizza time. We're going to move into <clears throat> turtleisms next. Cowabunga! So this is John's favorite segment. He's got a long list for us of turtleisms. John, why don't you start us off? John, we, let me one. say, if you can name five turtleisms <sighs> from this episode. Just off the top of my head. I will because I didn't I write will, any down. Yeah, if you can if you can just black out and name five, I will buy you lunch the next time I see you. <laughs> All right. There's a cowbunga. That's one. Correct. Yep. Stated by Michelangelo, of course. And if you get one wrong, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yes. Well, uh, there's something about like let's step on the turtle shell or something. Turtle feet go. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> John, why wouldn't you just go to the ones that are the most common, like turtle? Yeah, power, the basics. Tin. I don't know. Tin. I didn't want to be. You know. Did they say stuff. those? Yeah. Yeah. Are we sure they didn't say turtle feet go? So uh, you're thinking of let's make turtle tracks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> turtle feet go. <laughs> Chris, do you have? Did you take a list? Of yeah, 
Uh, so Mikey, I had Mikey said, chill out, shell shocked, toasted turtles, Mondo move, cowabunga, scarf it down and scarfing time. Raph had a lot. He had Shredhead, Tingrin, Fearless Leader, and Exactamundo. Uh, that might have been Mikey that, that said Exactamundo. That yeah, that yeah, was Mikey. I messed that up. Leo had Let's Make Turtle Tracks, and then they all said Turtle Power. Yeah, I had um, I had all those too. The, well, I had a couple. Did you get the Scarfing Time, Scarf It Down by Mikey? Yeah, I had Scarfing yep. Time and Scarf It Down. Um, Donnie said Turtle Trot at the end there for the dance move, and then uh, Shredder said Sayonara Turtles. That's, I think, the second time he said Sayonara, which yeah. I still don't know how to spell. I don't know how to spell it. S-I-O-N-A-R-A. Yeah, who knows? Um, and then they all said Turtle Power. I don't know if you had cut that one too, Chris. Yep. Sayonara is spelled S-A-Y-O-N-A-R-A. Yeah. I don't think that's right. Yes, I'm looking at it. <laughs> Just sounds wrong. <laughs> All right, so we do have a cowabunga. So, John, do you want to uh, update? <clears throat> what do we call in this segment? The Turtle Shellback Casino? Shellcast. Uh, Shellback Sportsbook. Shellcast Sportsbook, yep. Uh, yeah, not a whole lot to update here. There was one Calabunga for Michelangelo, so we're at three through three episodes, not on pace. Not on pace for 82 and a half over. No turtle blimp. Uh, Raphael did not drive the turtle van, so at zero for both of those. And then only been one katana throw by Leonardo uh, last episode, so we're at one and the over-under is 17 and a half there. So that one's fine. We're on pace there. Ish. The Cowabungas, we're never going to get there. You'll never get a three Cowabunga episode. Yeah. And you need like three or four of them at this point. Chris, you never know. You, you, you don't know. Three Cowabungas in 30. It's a Cowabunga every 10 minutes in the show. There's I'm just, no way. Well, no, it'd be a cowbunga about every six minutes because there's a minute, two minutes of intro music and a minute of outro. And it's like a 22 minute episode. So it's even quicker. And you know, what if he's just saying a sentence about cowbunga and he drops like three in a row? You don't kind know. Kind of like hope. Um, Donnie did last episode where he was talking about. Yeah. But it's only from two? Michelangelo, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. But you, you just don't know. I think we know. So that reminds me of that um, or a TikTok um, video. That's like they'll never know. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, 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 who's gonna know? Who's gonna know? They won't know. Yeah, they'll never know. They'll never know. Um, okay. Well, thank you for that recap, John, for the Shellcast Sportsbook. Now let's move into the villain power, villain power ranking. <laughs> Here is a recap. A lot of debate last episode about Shredder and Krang, who was 1-2. We left off with a conclusion. Shredder was at 1, Krang at 2, Bebop Rock City 3, Baxter is 4. No Baxter this episode. 
uh, Foot Soldiers 5, Rock Soldiers 6, Dragon Grand Tour 7, Knucklehead 8, Punks 9. And, and you'll notice this is the same format layout as previous, even though Andrew spent some time to upgrade this. John, despite having time, did not look at the update, so there may be a refresh for next episode. But that's your villain power rankings. Top 10. And we will now discuss changes to that. Right. So Go ahead, get all the crane hate out. Let's do it. Just before we get to that, we're there were no new villains, correct? Or are we stating that Irma? No, she no. was not a villain. Not a villain. So no new villains. So now we're just adjusting the current top 10. I hate to say it. I think Baxter's got to drop a couple spots here. How many episodes has it been? He almost had maybe in fewer episodes than he was in. Yeah. It's been like seven or eight since we saw him last. Yeah. But at what point, like, nobody behind him did anything. I feel like maybe he's got to go to the reserves. Does he go to the reserves? Well, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. Um, Specifically about Baxter. Um, While I was driving. And I think... We should hold <laughs> off on sending anyone to the reserves until we have more than ten villains yeah, to consider true. for the top ten. In my opinion, that's fair. because plus John, the punks were in episode one. You're gonna send them if you're sending Baxter. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, um, okay, but I'm still gonna make the argument that he drops. Like, in my mind, if we want to debate that, uh, then Baxter should go. Right above Dragon Granitor, because they also haven't returned, right? Yeah, yeah, and at least the Foot Soldiers and Rock Soldiers were in the last Are couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm good with that because it also makes it easy when we need to slide people down. We kind of have like the back four order here of yeah. reserves that are ready. Which is sad that. Bebop and Rock City are, are, are number three, followed by Foot Soldiers and Rock Soldiers. Like that's our top, that's half of our top five. Yeah, we, we're in desperate need of new villains. The villains are really <laughs> sucking recently. <laughs> Even Krang and Trevor at the top. It's like, like what was this episode? It was just like a filler. Yeah. You could have, well, this could this episode could have, it was like they took a week off. You could have put this episode in any spot in any season. Yeah. So, which is a timely point because if you recall season three, which is what we're in is when they started syndication. So there is going to be a lot of filler episodes cause they, they produce like f- almost 50 this season. So they went from like episode, season one was five. Season two is 13. Season three is 47. Um, so while there's, Definitely gems here. There's a lot of bad throwaway episodes too, unfortunately. Is that a Fibonacci sequence? (laughs) (laughs) The divine ratio. Um, All right. Here's the deal. Move Shredder down now. (laughs) He's he well, here's my point. The most sound and quick defeat of any villain ever was him in the planetarium getting bundled up by Saturn's rings. He popped in the door and within two seconds was rolling back out of it 
with, with Bebop and Rocksteady on top. Well, counterpoint <laughs> on Shredder. He did steal the first meteorite um, and successfully retrieved, you know, retrieved it and brought it back to the Dragon Drone. And then he blundered the second attempt. So in my mind, that kind of cancels out. Okay. When he was at the surface, uh, with when they blasted Irma, they blasted Irma wrongly. He just like ran away after they craned. <laughs> yeah, team team decision. Okay. Crane's on the ones and twos, Shredder's calling the shots. But he this is this is Shredder's sequence in that scene. Pops up from the ground, does a mega jump over the transport module, which was kind of cool. I forgot to mention that before. It does a super jump. <laughs> Lands. Immediately calls Krang and says, Krang, let's go. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Is a bystander when the laser gets shot and then just instantly runs away. Doesn't even try and... He's got the turtles right there. You can still fight him if he wants. Nope. Runs away. It's Some might say it was a smart move because at that point, it's one on six. Yeah, but Irma and April are useless. They're still just warm bodies with a pulse. Listen, here's Shredder is the classic talk a big game. I want these turtles. I want to get them. He finally gets them right where they're right in front of him. And he tucks tail and runs away. That's all I'm saying. I didn't hear Crane call for a retreat. I just heard Shredder. I didn't even hear him. I just saw his cape Actually, okay. the breeze and I, he's running away. I have a point. I have a point here for Crane to move up. And that point is he's got this exoboron crystallized and he needs to experiment on something or someone to test it. And he chooses his right-hand man, Shredder, because he hates him so much that he doesn't care if he gets him big enough and and whatever happens to him, he's willing to experiment on him. I think that's pretty villainous. It's a very good point. Yeah. So my argument was going to be, <clears throat> it's tough because we're, it's like uh, semantics that we're arguing here because they both suck like everybody else. <laughs> but um, I do think it is quite villainous to take your, let's call Shredder his first in command, I would say. Like his general, I don't know. Um, and to John's point, number one, he declares how much he hates him to his face. And then number two, yeah, he experiments on him like he's a lab rat. Yeah. So that I think is what restated what I said in Crane's favor. Yeah, I have a, <laughs> I have a continuing point, John. Oh, all right, However, all right. I find it very hard for me to move Crane up when he did nothing this episode from like a uh, execution standpoint. He's hiding again in the technodrome, pushing buttons. I, to me, he's not, he's not in the <laughs> battlefield. I can't move him up. All right. You can't pushing buttons is a little, come on, let's give Crane <laughs> a little more credit. Every, everything Shredder does, Crane is the, the literal brains behind everything that they do down there. Every plan is his, Shredder's just following orders. Do it like who can't who figured out what the exoboron was for? Who knows that they needed to fix the technodrome? Shredder's just a little errand boy that is convenient because he's there. Krang, 
you could you could put anybody else in that situation and Krang would use them just the same. I think so they, Shredder is expendable. Krang is the actual thought and brains behind everything that the evil team is doing. But it's Chris, it's who is more villainous. It's not who is the brains of the operation. So what's what's more villainous than thinking of all these sinister schemes and and using your subordinates as lab rats or listening to your boss and then bungling up his uh, commands? What's more villainous, Jordan? Answer me. <laughs> I I mean, I I think I'm advocating that Crane should move up this episode. But I would, to answer your question directly, insubordination as a subordinate is quite villainous. But is he in, like, it's not insubordinate, he's incompetent. But so is Crane. I mean, they're all incompetent. Like, the Turtles continually win. The only true villain that we had, I feel like, was Baxter. Yeah, he was like, he was the best angry. number one villain that we had. But I think I am outvoted. It sounds like Crane yeah. has two votes um, yeah. to move back into the number one slot. So for Shredder, it was a very short stint at number one. <laughs> one was episode. It? Yeah, because he one was episode? At one. Right? Didn't we just move Shredder up? Yeah. And Krang if down? you if you'll go back, if listeners will recall, I said and I quote. Crane will be back in the number one slot last episode when he got moved down. Did I think it was this fast? No. But this is the classic, the coach calls the plays, the players run the plays. When the play doesn't go well, is it the play itself or is it the execution? Jeez, drink every time you say play in that sentence. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. See, the way I look at it, maybe we should establish some like um, guidelines for the villain power ranking because in my mind, I look into the episode, what did Shredder do that was villainous? He stole something, which isn't the most villainous thing you can do, but he did steal something. Whereas Crane experimented on him, on Shredder. Yeah, which is also villainous. So I, I, I get that argument, but like that's the way I look at it is what did they do in this episode from an action standpoint that is synonymous with a, being a bad guy? But they're different, they're different roles. Like Cr- Shredder's always going to see more action than Crane because he's less important in the hierarchy. Yeah, but that's why I look at it as a net. Like, So he stole something, but then he failed to steal <clears> something. So to me, that cancels out. That's why, like, to me, this episode, Shredder was neutral. You know? Yeah, that's fair. But it's all opinion-based, so it's the same thing with Bebop and Rocksteady. I think I'm the swing vote. Yeah. Well, didn't you just I vote think it? You, I think you both need to make your case to me, and then I decide. You just voted. You just yeah. said you're moving Krang up. There's no I know, but we just backs. did that last episode too. I'll just no, I know, but again. I'm just saying I'm the swing vote. Andrew's anti Crane, Chris is anti Shredder, and I'm Uncle John. <laughs> I, I'm not anti. I'm not, I'm not anti Crane. I just think, like being the man behind the curtain. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of, what's the word I'm thinking for? Like uh, expectations. Yeah, you know, your expectations of Crane are higher. Than mine, I guess. I know, but if you're the mastermind, like if you're actually the mastermind, as he is, I feel like he needs to deliver more. Because remember, he sat out all of season two in Dimension X. Yeah, he did. In terms of like, he he, he was still scheming there and helping Shredder, but he was MIA. So I also kind of hold that against Krang, at least rolling into season three, because... He didn't do much. He like took the, the 
last season off, essentially. Yeah, but that's also like I look at that as a Krang apologist, and I say that was season two was Krang saying, "All right, Shredder, show me what you got. Go to Dimension X. I'm not going to hold your hand, or go go back from Dimension X. You know, if you want the turtles, go figure it out." And at the end of the day, Shredder came begging back to Krang for the Technodrome. So he had his shot to be the guy in charge, and he couldn't hack it. Yeah, but counterpoint that um, that series of events in season two gave us Baxter Stockman and the Fly. Yeah, and I will say Shredder is at his best when he has Baxter. Yeah, and Crank did him dirty by turning Baxter into the Fly. So yep. That's fair. So, anyway, as it stands, after season three, episode three, Attack of the 50 Foot Irma, we have Crane number one, Shredder number two, Bebop and Rocksteady at three, Foot Soldiers at four, Rock Soldiers at five, Baxter Stockman at six, Dragon Granitor at seven, The Knucklehead at eight, and then The Punks at nine. Nobody on the reserves, and our graveyard has been the same for like ever since we redid the villain power yeah. so that concludes the villain power ranking let me reintroduce the twitter poll question which for all of our dedicated listeners we need a little bit more action speaking about Krang and his inaction in season 2 uh, I think our foot soldiers have been taking some time off and not voting in the twitter poll so if you sh- if you will, that would be great. Where, uh, you know, as John's blowing his nose everywhere, we are <laughs> a podcast of the people. So we want uh, we want your input. Clearly, if we vote in the Twitter polls, we all know that John will lose. So Here, this is here's an idea. Call to John. Here's an idea. Let me know what you think about this. We move the polls to. TikTok. But we know that there's only two options on TikTok. So does the person who who is making the next pizza who loses the previous poll, they're exempt and it's just a head to head of the remaining two. Thoughts. So I don't vote this week or you don't vote because you're eating the pizza. I would not need to answer the question. So it would just be you two. And then we put that to TikTok to see who wins I mean I think it's worth switching it up and seeing how it goes yeah let's try it and see what the engagement is okay okay get some Russian bots in the mix I think we all answer it and then you just put up yeah I like the uh, the three points of view and I will go I'll go last no I'll go yeah, I'll go last because I feel I feel like the two people yeah. in the poll should have the top pick. But how do we'll we decide? We'll go Andrew first because he finished ahead of me. Yeah. In last week's poll. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. See, we're figuring it out. It only took us twenty some odd episodes to figure yeah. out yeah. the uh, Twitter poll. Damn, we're twenty. We've done twenty one episodes, huh? Okay. Here is the question. I'm between a couple here. Um, in between a couple here. If, okay, here it is. 
if you had the option to instantly remove one color from the world, which color would you instantly remove? I know my answer already. That's good. Yeah, I have a very, very clear answer in my head. Am I first? first? I'm first? You're first? Yeah, I'm first. It is. I don't know the actual name of this color, but it's the, like, traditional blue from Microsoft Paint. Like, that blue, blue. Like, cobalt blue? No, not cobalt, but like <laughs> Chris's the... face. Blue, you're taking blue? That's the most popular no, color no. there is. That's no, easy. a specific shade of blue. It is um I'm not sure what it's called. True blue. Microsoft if, Paint blue. If you use Microsoft Paint or if you use like any even in um if you guys open up like PowerPoint right now or Word, yeah. And you go to just like the stock blue that's in like on the bottom, there's like eight different colors to choose from. That like god awful bright uh, offensive, disgusting blue color is trash. Like it's not royal blue, but it's in that like family. Out. Is it perhaps this blue? Sure. No. This one. I like this blue. Yeah, what's wrong with that? No, that's. That's not blue. While That's Chris, like turquoise. while Chris gives his answer, or if you, as you guys like Shamey, I'll pull up the blue color and I'll tell you yeah. the exact uh, RGB values for it and how much I despise it. So I'm gonna keep this to like basic colors because I feel like there's some obscure colors we could all choose. And Andrew picked the basic color, so I'll honor that. The easiest answer. This is the easiest answer in the world. <laughs> it's yellow. What? Yellow sucks as a color. <laughs> when you're using what? markers, it bleeds. Everything bleeds into it. And that is a fact. It's oh, the marker tip's always dirty, and it comes out gross. The sun is too bright. The sun is at its best when it's not yellow, and when it's setting and rising, and it's orange. Orange underrated color. Yellow <laughs> just sucks. Not a fan of yellow. So, Chris. You don't like lemon heads? No, even though I look like one. Or I do. Like, you don't like original Gatorade flavor? No, yellow is the worst Gatorade flavor. What? Yellow does Glacier. taste like vomit. Yeah, yellow, great. it tastes like syrupy <clears throat> and warm, even when it's ice cold. Disagree. Uh, the only good it... yellow is like some flowers are nice to look at, but even then it's like... Purple flower, orange flower, blows yellow flower out of the water. Bananas I do like. So I guess a banana is the only, the only exception. Well, lemons. A lemon, oh, you know what's better than a lemon? Lime. Lime is better. By, by it's tenfold. No. It's yeah, there's green. different uses for no. each. No, you the only thing you put lemon on is like fish and baked fish. Shout out to dad. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm like, I will never for the rest of my best. life eat Ritz cracker crumbled on top of wet undercooked fish. Mm, baked salmon. Mm. I love fish. For, my point, John, is that if you change the color of a lemon, it would instantly get better. No. Pick a different color. Better black. than yellow. Yeah. I'm not eating a black rare. lemon. Rare. There's black limes. And yes. they're rare. 
Pick another color. Brown. Better. I'm not eating a brown lemon. That's a kiwi. You can't fool me. <laughs> <laughs> so, John. Okay. The blue that I was referring to is hex code number 0000FF, which is composed of 0% red, 0% green, and 100% blue. Was it 0000FF? Yeah. So make like a rectangle or a box and like word. You know exactly what, what? I'm talking about. What? That's just normal blue. It fucking sucks. I hate that blue. Computer <laughs> blue. I'm calling it computer blue. I think right. you picked Can... the most liked color in the world as yeah, your least you favorite. You know what? This? this is, this is, yeah. Hate it. Give me royal. Give me. It does actually kind of suck. Give me cobalt. Give me any other blue color. I'll even take teal. That is offensive. This blue is... That's yeah. just blue. That's regular blue. That's the worst blue there is. It's a fact. No. That no. blue blows. <laughs> and blue is, I'm pretty sure, the most popular color in the world. Oh, that hurts. That's gross. I, love, <laughs> I actually I like yellow. Not yellow that like much. like a sleeper color. Here's the other thing about blue. By taking blue off the wheel, I also impact a lot of the other colors because blue, as we all know, is a primary color. Red, green, blue make all the other colors. Green is not. Isn't it? Primary. Green is yellow green is and yellow blue. yellow and orange. And, uh, oh, yellow yeah. Blue. Uh, uh, what are the primary colors on? Red, blue. Blue, red, yellow. Yellow. Yeah. Perfect. So we both take out plenty of other colors. Um, and a, another fun byproduct is red is my favorite color and it's the only primary one standing. So John, what color would you eliminate? So this is a very easy answer for me. You're both incorrect. The answer is hot pink. Hot pink is, John is a sexist. garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's too aggressive. It's too in my face. Like I see it, it like just yeah, too, too feminine, thing. John. Too, too much equal rights for you. <laughs> I no, I like pink. I don't like hot pink. You like pink, but you don't want you don't want it. You don't want them saying how great pink is out loud. <laughs> no, I just hot pink is it's too. It clashes with everything. Is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, it's too. It's too much. Too independent. Pink starburst. Arguably, I would not say this, but some may say it's the best Starburst. But it's John, not, yeah, but it's not hot beautiful. pink. It's not hot pink Starburst. I I enjoy pink. I like pastel pink. I like normal pink. I don't like hot pink. I feel like hot pink. To me, like anytime I'm using that color, I see that color. It's so saturated. Like it's such a. And I know it's not the right term, but what I want to say is like it's such a rich color that it is offensive. Yeah. Vibrant. It's too vibrant. Yeah, too vibrant. Oh, in small my eyes. Yeah, and every everything that is hot pink is they always there's always too much of it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's too much. But John, the '90s, very important color. Yeah. Um, not sure. Yeah, when graphics and like that, and like that neon green color, and like that bright blue. 
Like I'm thinking of the jazz paper cup. cups. The jazz I'm, paper cup. Yeah. I'm thinking of like black and teal and hot pink is a. Well, the Miami Marlins didn't they redo their jerseys and they have hot pink in there and blue and black? Yeah, I think they've since Ooh. gone back. But yeah, they damn. should have. But it's a Miami neon. Vice. No, that's, I like neon pink. That's like the Miami Miami Vice color pink that John's talking yeah. about. Yeah. 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 So so Andrew, you go with computer blue. Chris has yellow. Andrew just makes up a name. I'll put shitty yellow. Put that on. <laughs> Can't you see? Computer blue. You just well, pick the color okay. blue. It's called blue, apparently, and it's the worst <laughs> color. It's fact. You <laughs> just go with blue. This is the easiest victory I'll ever have. All right, Chris. Here's here's how we're going to do this. You need to tweet that out, and I'm going to take that tweet, screenshot it, and put it over it for a uh, video. Or do you? No, it'd nope. be better if you TikToked it and I retweeted the TikTok so people can follow the link to vote. No, but Chris, no. Then we're going to get votes in two spots, John. You don't put it as a poll. You just tweet it out. Hey, people. You're saying check out the TikTok? Check out this link to TikTok to vote? No, no. I'm saying just tweet out the question. Tweet out the exact question. If you could eliminate one color instantly from the earth world. And, what then would it give, be? and then don't let people know what the, <laughs> you don't understand. Yeah, I think people Chris are going to see the tweet and be like, where do I vote? How do I, what do I do with this? You don't vote. Well, one, it's just us seeing the tweets if we're being honest right yeah. now, because you're a Twitter growth following. You want Musk, John. No, yeah. it's out of my hands. Stop blaming Musk. <laughs> I had a tweet that got 3,000 likes. Okay? Not to brag, but I can't work under these new constraints. <laughs> okay. Unless we want to pay Anyways, for the verification. Chris, you Because tw- you tweet out the question. It's not a poll. It's just the question. I take a screenshot of that tweet and I put it in my TikTok. That's how the that's how okay. the kids do it. Okay, I'll do it. So just tweet it out, and then once you tweet it out, alert me so I can do my job. Well, here's yeah. what you do: is you make do the your graphic job. for me to tweet out, and then I tweet the graphic. No, it's not going to be a graphic. Okay, I'm just tweeting that's out. If you, I'm just tweeting out the question. <laughs> yeah, just with tweet no, out the question with none of our answers in it. Yes. Okay, little call and response action on Twitter is what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You tweet it out. I'm going to screenshot it. I'm going to put the poll in, and then we're going to see. And then one of us should reply to Chris's tweet with a link to the Thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can right. do that. Okay. I will do that. All right. We'll try it out. Okay. We'll and see if TikTok delivers because I will say Twitter John, John threw some shade at me on TikTok recently. <laughs> are you on tiktok now when you're waiting for andrew yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was actually funny I that john Cena meme is it was everywhere which one yeah. john's that was john cena. do you know who john cena is yeah i know john cena. oh that's not Wait, john travolta you know the one where he's wandering around that's what i was thinking in my head whatever we're getting off the rails here. yeah either way anyways okay twitter poll our Twitter question will be on TikTok this week. So it's the TikTok Twitter poll. <laughs> we want to call it that. Um, and that does now bring us to our outro. So besides forgetting a segment, uh, anything else that you guys want to add? I mean, we had a lot this episode. Episode, I will say, I will definitively say our podcast episode is better than the TMNT episode yeah. this week. That's a fact. Yeah. And I just want to show this. Sticker one more time. I know my green screen is going to mess it up. It is not transparent. 
maybe the next ones. But this is what you could earn if you call in and leave us a voicemail. I love it. So Well done, do Andrew, making lemonade out of lemons for an episode. You know who should... Uh, huh? Should re- re- leave us a Twitter voicemail. Or a TMT Shellcast voicemail. Was that the Tim Allen? Uh? That's the guy that left us the five-star review. Or the girl. The gal. Maybe it was Tim Allen. Could have been. Uh? Yeah. Very good. John, anything uh, in your neck of the woods? Um, nope. I'm going to put those stickers in very cool places. I am the host for next episode, so that's exciting. You are. That is very exciting. And do we know what the next episode is? The answer is no, because I forgot to look it up before asking. However, I have it right here handy. Season three, episode four is called The Maltese Hamster. Ooh, a play on the Maltese Falcon. A great movie. So. John, that's a little tip for you. Do a little research. I I actually prefer Ovaltine, so. Terrible joke. (laughs) (laughs) In my neck of the woods, I will say um, a belated happy 420 because... While we are law-abiding podcasts, it is the greenest of holidays, I would argue. So uh, that preceded John's birthday. John, hopefully you had a nice birthday. I don't know if we covered that. Yeah, birthday was nice. But you rightfully lost a Twitter poll because you ate Chris's cake on your birthday. So you are a farce. That's a fact. (laughs) Um, Besides that, uh, I did have computer issues. So the show and tell, which I've been promising for two months now, will hopefully happen next week. At some point it will happen. You will all be elated at the extra time I've had. So um, other than that, we're on a 167 hour break. So we will see you next Wednesday for Chris and John. This is Andrew from the TMNT Shellcast saying cowabunga. 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 Cowabunga.